So welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. It's that time of the month again where we are going to be doing our previews podcast. So as ever, we are going through the previews books this month, picking out the best uh, titles for you to spend your hard-earned cash on, recommending what we're looking forward to, seeing what's going to cost us a pretty penny because there are some big ones this month, (laughs) and uh, generally just breaking down the previews books for you guys. So as ever, your host, Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. As ever, I'm joined by Mr. Marvel himself. Keith, how are you, sir? I am good. I'm glad it's the weekend, Alan. Uh, and we're we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon for a change. So, uh, so a we uh, a wee beverage and uh, and been able to been able to sit and and chill out. So I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to chatting about what's coming out in May 2021. Yeah, it's nice to sit down just with a wee beer afternoon. It's we're recording this around five o'clock. It's still light outside. It it almost seems like there's hope in the world at the moment. It's <laughs> it's really really nice to to see. So. So uh, yeah, we're going to bring all those good feelings and all that, all those positive vibes over to the previews books, as we say. So for anyone who's just tuning in for the first time, uh, first of all, welcome. And second of all, what we always do is break it down by publisher. We go through the DC Connect, which is available online, of course, dcconnect.com. Uh, we go through the Marvel books. We go through the indie books, which is your Image, your Boom, your Valiant, um, your Aftershock, your AWA, etc. And just pick out what we're looking forward to. We we try to also promote starting points for people for ongoing series, just so you can you can jump on without feeling too overawed or being lost in the stories, and and essentially go from there. Now, again, anybody who's new to this, uh, who's who's joining us, I'm always seen as the DC guy. Keith's always seen as a Marvel guy. You're going to feel that a lot this month, I think. Uh, as I thought, the DC book was the strongest. You thought... The Marvel book was the strongest. Although we do agree that the indie book has maybe been... There, there's still a lot of good stuff in it, but certainly in regards to recent months, uh, there's maybe a little less there. There's there's some great series that will be ongoing by this point, but they maybe started uh, in March or, or April, that kind of thing. But again, we'll point out those titles that are... At the start, because there's still plenty of time to, to get pre-orders in on this. So, yeah, I mean, just a, a brief overview for it. I mean, I'll, I'll throw in first with the DC book. Uh, I have to say, I thought it was a really strong month for DC, because I think ever since Future State, January, February, a lot of people were maybe slightly worried about the direction DC is going in. But I'm really looking forward to next week's releases, uh, which is going to include Infinite Frontier Zero, and we're getting back to the, the regularly scheduled titles. So Batman 106 is out next week, for example. So it's great to see those some original titles being put at the forefront of DC Connect. I'm I'm not an idiot. I know Batman sells. I know DC will put Batman in every title they possibly can. And I also know I will personally buy all of them. But it's actually nice to see some characters being given sort of the spotlight, if you will, at the start of this book. You know, you've got a, uh, a new series that has some big shoes to fill given the previous iteration of this character was a multi-Eisner award-winning series, and also a series you can catch on the Coffin Heroes Podcast Network book club. Cheap plug there. Uh, there's also a new direction for the Amazons, and I'm also glad to see that we haven't fully left behind the world of Future State, because I've really enjoyed Future State, I have to say. There's been a few titles that didn't do anything for me, but there's been some titles I thought were amongst the best things I've read in a while. But of course, there is a new Batman title launching as well, just as I say all that, which of course we'll get to. There's some more Zdarsky goodness in there with a, a brand new number one. Strong Graphics coming in as well, rounds up a really good month for the, the number one comic company, brackets, in my mind anyway. <laughs> Tell me about the Marvel book, Keith. 
Well, I mean, uh, there's 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 some stuff I'm really looking forward to in the in the DC book. For I mean, from my point of view, this month it felt like a wee bit more of a the the, the sort of months that Marvel has had the past couple of months, which are a wee bit more floaty by, you know, that sort of way. Um, you uh, know, tra- just sort of, trademark Keith Miller, floaty yeah, by. Yeah, floaty by. But I think this this month in May, uh, the Marvel book sort of really takes it for me. You know, there's a lot going on in May. There's a with a, with a new superhero event launching, a new Star Wars event uh, kicking off, and I think that's the first Star Wars event since uh, since Charles Soule took over. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the, yeah, um, I don't think the books have ever really crossed, have they? Even just Star Wars and Darth Vader. Yeah, similar I mean, they, similar they, era, but abs and they're they're definitely they're they're bobbing along beside one another. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, this is a this is an actual honest to goodness uh, crossover, and not only that, but it's canon in the Star Wars universe. Uh, because that's the way that's the way things work in the comics, and it's going to be filling an untold uh, an untold tale of uh, of the, the the classic trilogy. Um, there's uh, a handful of new series. There's uh, some minis and some one shots and some cool stuff happening even in the in the ongoing titles. You know, through the through the Spider books and the X books and different things. So, and then you know, as with DC, this month's collected edition sections for Marvel is really strong. It looks like it's going to cost me a packet. Yeah, I'm I'm getting the sweats just thinking about the order for the the Marvel omnibuses. I don't know what it has been in the last couple of months, but people seem to have really jumped on board the omnibus train. Uh, we've certainly been ordering in more than we ever have in our history in terms of omnibuses, which bodes well for the brand new omnibus section I've been working on in store for when we reopen. But uh, you mentioned this month, for example, at least three of these that we will spotlight um, along the way here have already been pre-ordered by people. I know I'm going to want a few of them. I know you're going to mm-hmm. want a few of them. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one, to say the least. But yeah, just there seems to be a recent upsurge in, in omnibuses for, for whatever reason, you know? Omnibuses are, are, are great and trades are great, great. But I think that, you know, the bread and butter of, uh, of the comic industry remains, you know, the floppies remains the single issues, you know? So uh, whenever folk are trade waiting, I don't think, I don't, don't think people omnibus wait, really. No. I think you maybe trade wait for five or six issues, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, my my heart will always be with the, the single issues. Yeah, I mean, the omnibuses for me, it's I I tend to get on them more for the older stuff. You know, the the stuff that will either cost you a pretty penny to source through single issues, or the ones that uh, you know the trades are hard to find for, and it's just a really good cost effective way of getting those older issues. You know, because I know recently I got Silver Surfer from the beginning with the Silver Surfer omnibus volume one. You know, I got Venom from the beginning with the Venom omnibus because, whatever reason, Venom back issues are just always ridiculously priced. I got a Rob Liefeld omnibus, but we'll not go into that. Uh, that was more for a day. Well, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be talking a wee bit more about Rob this uh, this month as well. Alan, I'm afraid to tell you. Oh, great! Uh, this one's for you, Clay. Then, yeah. So that's the DC and the Marvel side of things. When it comes to the indie book. As I maybe said in the intro, maybe I'm being slightly unfair by saying it's a, a weaker month, but I think it's just the last couple of months with the indie book. It has been ridiculously strong. Loads of brand new number ones, loads of top creators launching titles. And certainly going through this, we will we will spotlight a lot of them. You know, Image has its usual strong months with a couple of new titles. One of which, in fairness, would probably be one of my picks of the month if I if we were doing our usual sort of five format. Uh, the first indie one because I'm a sucker for a great noir story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some great collected editions in there. But just through the middle of the book, I found myself just sort of flicking a bit more. You know, normally more grabs me and I stop. But I think just going through the middle of the book. 
like I thought Boom was very strong, as mm-hmm. it always is. Uh, AWA continues to launch some in- interesting stuff, but I did find a couple of pearls towards the back, which I'll, I'll happily spotlight from smaller companies as well. Yep. So same as that. But uh, yeah, I think when you've got you know, it's just it's not our bag. Something like Red Sonia, and when Red Sonia is your lead big title of the month in the cover, you think well, might be in a bit of trouble here, unless mm. unless you're Andy and you want it all. So. Yeah, that's the the sort of breakdown of them. But we're going to go through uh, the books individually, and we're going to mix it up a little bit this month. Normally, I lead the way with DC because I can't contain my excitement. But we're going to go with Marvel first this month, simply because of this big event. You know, this uh, this has the potential, given the um, the creative talent involved, to be massive. So, what's it all about? Well, that's a question. So, um, yeah, the Marvel book kicks off in May with. Heroes Reborn, uh, numbers one to four of seven issues. So this looks like it's going to be uh, a miniseries, an event spanning two months, uh, because those first four issues seem to be released weekly. Uh, so I imagine you'll have the next three issues also released weekly. So that'll be that'll be through to June. So what we've got is a seven issue core event series with what looks like a bunch of one shots surrounding it. So there's there's four or five one shots involved. Uh, in the, the first month and there's four or five one shots involved in the second month so so it's not it's not maybe like king and black it's not you know it, it seems to be a lot less uh, wallet heavy if you know what i mean uh we don't have you know a, a bunch of four or five issue mini series around it you know or, or or that sort of thing so heroes reborn i think what was going on here first of all as you say the creative team absolutely fantastic jason aaron and ed mcginnis uh on the uh on the, on the writing duty. So, I mean, whenever you have Jason Arnold involved, that's me already. Ed McGuinness, you know, is, is, has been at it a long, long, long time and, uh, and knows exactly what, he, what he's doing. And then uh, cover art, we've got uh, Lionel Francis Yu. Um, we've got uh, uh, just, you know, the, 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 the art for each individual issue. Um, again, Ed McGuinness, Dale McKeown, uh, James Stokoe, uh, Fred Richo Vincentini. Uh, those sorts of those sorts of folks, and and I say Ed McGuinness is at the is at the core of the art there as well. So, so this seems to be uh, marking, I guess, or the uh, uh, I guess a tribute to the original Heroes Reborn miniseries of 1995, 1996, or 1996, 1997. Otherwise um, known as, we're sorry you left to form your own company, Image Comics. Please come back and save us. Well, I would, I would go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that that seems fair. Yeah, absolutely. That seems fair. For anyone fair, who doesn't so. know, Heroes Reborn. So of course that brought back Jim Lee. That brought back Rob Liefeld. These were the guys who were the biggest selling comic creators in the world. Uh, Marvel was struggling in the mid '90s a little bit, and you know why not bring in the absolute best talent? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, uh, exactly as you say. I mean, I guess Rob Liefeld had had sort of got the. Uh, had got the reputation of being the the fixer upper guy, you know. He would he would almost like buying an old house and fixing it up and then selling it on for a better price, you know. That's that was his that was sort of his vibe, you know. Uh, he'd done that with uh, with uh, New Mutants, transform New Mutants into X Force, you know, made it the biggest selling X title of the nineties. Now, Marvel, whenever you say Marvel was in trouble, uh, we talked earlier on about Batman and and Batman being DC's flagship. You know what I mean? Batman will sell anything. At that time, Amazing Spider-Man and the X titles were selling anything. You know, you put Wolverine in anything, you put Spider-Man in anything, it sold. So we had, you know, the likes of the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. You know, the the real core 
or what should have been the core of Marvel really languishing and 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 not selling a lot. I mean, it was around the time of of Catwolf and uh, you know all of the Avengers not wearing costumes, all wearing leather jackets instead, and and you know all of this sort of stuff. So so yeah, as you say, at that time. Uh, they brought in uh, Jim Lee's Wildstorm Studios and Rob Liefeld's Extreme Studios. Uh, they had previously left Marvel to find Image Comics uh, to do Heroes Reborn. And in that story, the story began with the Avengers Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom, um, being reborn after seemingly dying in the fight with Onslaught. In reality, though, they were transported to a pocket universe by Franklin Richards and the, the 616 Marvel Universe went on as as normal. You know what I mean? So, but they were missing the Fantastic Four and the the Avengers, who apparently had sacrificed themselves. So, I mean, I guess Liefeld really, you know, he took Captain America and and and, and made some changes there. You know, Cap hadn't gone into the ice; he had, you know, turned against uh, the American government whenever they had gone to drop the nuke, and it was a lot more a lot more X Filesy, you know, because that was it was big around the time, and there was a actually there's a lot of stuff in it that reflects what's happening now with white supremacy and and, and neo Nazis and all of that sort of stuff. But that was the sort of that was the sort of vibe of it, you know. So so that that lasted for for a year, and and I think, you know, that lasted for a year before the the Fantastic Four and the Avengers popped back into our, our universe, and then we had a few we had a few returns. Um, Sort of later on, uh, you know, that followed up that that series. There was there was a, a a Bucky series, Ricky Ricky Barnes, who had been Bucky in that counter. So it was there was a series of two thousand, you know, year two thousand one shots by Chris Claremont and Joe Kelly and uh, Charlie Adler and Fabian the Sea, Mark Bagley, um, Doctor Doom. Ended up there was something to do with counter Earth. There was an Earth on the other side of the sun that was the Earth that. That Franklin Richards had created. There was a whole thing in it, but you know. But I think that that's what this is. I think this is celebrating twenty-five years later. Now, as to what is happening in this Heroes Reborn, that is that is a question. But it seems that it seems that this uh, is spinning out of uh, Jason Aaron's current Avengers title uh, and the, the 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 Phoenix story that's going on in there now. I don't know if you're reading it, Alan. Uh, I know you're, you don't really tend towards Avengers, but in the current Avengers uh, storyline by Jason Aaron, uh, Phoenix has returned, and it's the Phoenix is trying to uh, decide who its uh, its next host will be. Uh, all of the various heroes uh, are are in the White Room, this the, the burning hot White Room of the of the Phoenix, and are being set against one another to to fight for its power, whether they want to or not. So, I don't know what what the conclusion of that story is going to be but what appears to have happened in this hero's reborn is that is that our heroes uh you know captain america uh thor iron man uh, and so forth are never became the heroes that they are and instead the squadron supreme uh, who we know as marvel's version of the, the justice, justice league, league. <laughs> uh are are picking up they are picking up the pieces they they've become the new the new Avengers or the new top uh, top team in, in this Heroes Reborn universe, uh, and that so it's it's interesting. And there's there's some folks are saying that this is as close to Marvel versus DC as we're ever going to get, <laughs> uh, you know, because uh, yeah. So it's so yeah. So this this is this seems to be a legacy of a 25th anniversary of the the big throwdown there. Um, 
And and yeah, so that that, that it looks like it's it's going to be interesting. Um, so what have we got? Uh, what have we got uh, in 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 May? Uh, at the centre uh, of this tapestry appears to be Hyperion, who is Squadron Team's version of of Superman, and uh, he's got a he's got a one shot Heroes Reborn Hyperion and the Imperial Guard uh, by by Ryan Caddy. Um, what's going on there? We've got Heroes Reborn. Uh, Peter Parker, the amazing Shutterbug, uh, by Mark Bernardin, uh, who is, uh, of course, Kevin Smith's uh, buddy on the uh, on the the Fat Man and Batman podcast. Uh, and in this reality, Peter has never been Spider Man. He's he's Hyperion's biggest fan, and he also happens to be chummy with his favorite hero. So, I mean, that's a wee bit uh, that's a wee bit um, Jimmy Olsen, don't you think? Little bit, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. So, so I think that's that's sort of there's uh, heroes were born Magneto and the mutant force. So years ago, Magneto and Professor X led Earth's mutants in a final push for independence against the Squadron Supreme of America, and what followed was the Squadron's mutant massacre. So the Squadron Supreme don't seem to be decent folks. They don't seem to be nice people. It's almost <laughs> like they're saying the Justice League are horrible and the Avengers are great. Well, I, I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know if that's the case, but. Uh, but anyway, what it says about Heroes Reborn 1, will welcome readers to a world where Tony Stark never built the Iron Man armor, where Thor is a hard-drinking atheist who despises hammers, where Wakanda is dismissed as a myth, and where Captain America was never found in the ice because there were no Avengers to find him. Instead, this world has always been protected by Earth's mightiest heroes, the Squadron Supreme of America. And now the Squadron faces an attack from some of their fiercest enemies, including Dr. Juggernaut, the Black Skull, the Silver Witch, and Thanos and his Infinity Rings. Uh, and why is the Daywalker Blade the only man alive who seems to remember the entire world that has somehow been reborn? So, I mean, that's that's the other trick here. The other the other piece of information that seems to have have come out is that is that the Daywalker will be at the center of of Heroes Reborn. Uh, Blade is the one man alive who seems to remember the entire world has somehow been reborn, and he begins his search for a cause behind this ominous shift in reality. So. So I get the impression that Blade is the is the is going to be the the protagonist through the main the main series here. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's really all I, all I can say about it. All I can say about it now. All I, all I really want to to say about it. But I'm kind of I'm kind of fairly buzzed about this. You know, I'm not I'm not picking up everything. I will be picking up the core series, uh, and the the Ed McGuinness art just looks fantastic. Um, I don't know if there'll be any overt uh references to you know the odd the you know the the origin of the the creative origin of the squadron supreme mm-hmm. you know as marvel's version of the justice league or, or what that means going forward but i'm also going to be picking up the magneto and the mutant force uh, that's a steve orlando and bernard chang book um there's a, a young squadron book which seems to be a reimagined version of the champions by jim zob i'm not i'm going to pass in that but siege society sounds good uh that's uh Bar and Zemo getting together his own his own team to take down the Squadron Supreme of uh, Natasha Romanoff, Clint Barton, Scott Lang, and Victor Creed. So that seems to be a wee bit Thunderbolts ish, uh, which, as you know, is my my weak spot. And that uh, that Peter Parker, the Amazing Shutterbug by Mark Bernardin, I think that's going to be be interesting. But that covers it. That covers Heroes Reborn for me. Definitely something I'm I'm, I'm interested in, uh, and I'm interested to see how. How Jason Aaron's uh, Avengers leads into this and, and what happens. And I mean, I was around for uh, and, and, and very much bought all of the original Heroes Reborn stuff. Um, 
so say what you want about about Rob and about Jim Lee, but uh, I mean that was that was a really interesting retake on all of those heroes. So I think they're nearly in, they're nearly inverting that, uh, and 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 and. Uh, yeah, we're seeing what that world will be like without those those heroes now, you know, rather than seeing what those heroes were doing in a in a pocket universe. Mm-hmm. So interesting stuff, interesting stuff, I think, and it's, and looks gorgeous. It's got a slight whiff of Flashpoint to me. You know, yeah. with Flashpoint, you had the Flash as the one person who remembered Earth as it was, and you know that all the regular heroes and so forth. But he's he's obviously in this alternate world or this alternate timeline, so to speak, and that in itself makes it interesting to me. Mm. Um. To go back to what you said, I will never say anything bad about Jim Lee. Now, Rob Liefeld, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Was, Cap- was Captain America Reborn that very famous image where he had like Cap from the side and he had like the biggest right mm. breast in the world and the smallest left one in the world? That was I can't remember where if that was from uh, if that was from Reborn or not. But there was I mean there was some fantastic art and 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 the heroes Re- the original heroes Reborn stuff. There really was. I, th- um, I feel like they're missing an opportunity here to have variant covers done by the original talent. From Heroes Reborn, because that would hit, that would tickle the nostalgia bone, you know. I think you're you're probably right. What have we got? We have we have variant covers by Ed McGuinness, Jeffrey Verage, trading card variant covers by Mark Bagley, uh, gatefold covered by Ivan Coelho, George Perez, uh, Carlos Pacheco, uh, Joshua Casara, so and, and Art Germ. So there there are there are some variant covers there, and by some of the. There's some Stormbreaker variant covers in there as well. They, you know, Marvel's current crop of uh, up, upcoming artists, as they call them, despite the fact that many of them have been around for years. Um, yeah, Patrick, but yeah, I mean, Patrick Gleason's definitely my favorite Stormbreaker, given that he was at DC for a decade. <laughs> but he's up and coming. Yeah, of course, of course. But... I must say, I prefer the the format of this. I much prefer the format of this to Keenan Black. Keenan yeah. Black as a store has been a nightmare to keep track of because. Summer three issue miniseries, summer four issue miniseries, summer two issues of the current continuity like Daredevil or Avengers or whatever. For me, Keenan Black, which I've enjoyed, is too big. It's just mm-hmm. too big. There, there's no way yeah, all those yeah. stories are essential. But I love the format of here's one shots. If you like these characters, here's this one shot issue that'll tell you what's going on with them. So I must say I really like the format with this. And I also mm. like the weekly format of Heroes Reborn because... That was one of the biggest strengths for me of House of X and Powers of Ten was uh-huh. weekly because there was a lot to sink your teeth into. And obviously you and I are perfect examples of people who read, you know, 20 plus, 30 plus comics a week. So it's nice to have that continuity instead of waiting a month between issues. Yeah, agreed. You agreed. Know? It can be it can be tricky sometimes, especially as uh, especially as you get a wee bit older and the memory fades, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, you say you say Flashpoint, I would say it, it, it seems reminiscent of uh, Age of Apocalypse. Where you know the entire the entire uh, universe changed, and Bishop was the only one who remembered. Uh, but you always you need someone to oh, remember because yeah. otherwise there's no chance of getting out of it. Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there has to be. Well, they're essentially the the conduit, so to speak, for the reader because they remember. So you need to have someone who remembers, and it, it is just hilarious. You know, we we just typified it right there that my go-to example was a dc story your go-to example was a marvel story yeah yeah though i mean that that i mean i i, I loved and enjoyed flashpoint but the uh, edge of apocalypse holds a, a special place for me it's another massive uh, one isn't it isn't it huge it, like loads it, of issues it uh that was the model on which i guess the sort of future state has sort of gone on where they 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 cancel the issues you know the, mm-hmm. the series that they're changing so they effectively canceled all of the x books and and some of the 
the, the core superhero books for like uh, it was four months or five months. Um, yeah, and uh, and replaced them. So and that, I mean that that the question then I have to ask here is what what becomes of Jason Aaron's Avengers then after this? Yeah, because Avengers is, isn't going to be running during this two months. So are we going to have a, an Avengers reboot? Is Jason Aaron still going to be on it? Is perhaps Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis going to be on it? Um, so yeah, there's uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. And Blade Blade's a current member of the. The Avengers lineup, and uh, I mean, I love Blade, yeah. so uh, so it'd be good to see him as a as a protagonist in this. No, definitely, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that as well. I I, I love event books because my knowledge is obviously nowhere near the the depth that yours is, but event books are are tailored for people like me. They're tailored for you enjoy this you enjoy this title. Well, this is inspired by this, so you can then go back and read other stuff mm, and things mm-hmm, like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, um, just as an aside, I was listening to uh, to Rob Liefeld's Rob Observations podcast the uh, this morning. Yeah, and uh, I went back and listened. He's got a five part uh, story of you know Heroes Reborn and how Heroes Reborn happened and how Rob Liefeld saved Marvel and you know all of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Why do I have this image of Rob Liefeld walking into Marvel with a boombox over his shoulder? You know, with like "Baby, I'm back" or something playing on it, and you know, million dollar suit of diamonds, and it's just like. I got this, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, shortly, shortly thereafter, Marvel went into bankruptcy, I believe. So, because <laughs> they so, gave Liefeld uh... all their money. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's Heroes Reborn. So yeah, as Keith says, that's going to be a weekly series uh, kicking off in May. Uh, weekly series for that, and then I would imagine the one shots will come out on a weekly basis. Um, rather than sort of all in the same week sort of thing as well. So mm. that covers probably the biggest event for this month for many of the companies, which is Heroes Reborn. So what else have we got then in the Marvel book to look forward to? Well, we, uh, I mean, uh, Fantastic Four under Dan Slott has been a wee bit uh, sort of come and go. We've hit, though the last, you see the last, I think the issues, the last sort of four or five issues since since 25, since I get, I guess the, it wasn't a reboot, it was a, just in New York, you know, has been really, really strong. Has been uh, R.B. Silva came on as the artist, and it's just been great stuff. I mean, it's almost like like Dan Slott has sort of gone away and and gone. Okay, I need to I need to up the game here, you know, to to my Spider Man levels, and that's what he's done. So, Fantastic Four number thirty two, Dan Slott and R.B. Silva is uh, part one of the Bride of Doom, uh, and uh, part one of that's called Betrothal. So. The, the Human Torch's love life has gotten a little bit complicated and has, well, he he has a, a soulmate called Sky that, uh, you know, a, a, a winged a winged lady from another planet that uh, he's been, has been on the scene for the past, I guess, bunch of issues. But most recently, uh, the Torch's soulmate, uh, the sort of the Torch's ex-wife, uh, Lija Laserfist, who's a scroll, has come back. Uh, you know, so that that's a wee bit tricky, but it says... Uh, he must choose between his soulmate and his ex-wife. Uh, and as Johnny's first heartbreak, Crystal, back in the book, this is all too much. Fortunately, there's also a lot of punching, hitting, and clobbering going on. All this, and an ominous decree by Doctor Doom, plus a second tale in which Reed Richards duels Doctor Doom in the st- for the strangest prize imaginable. So, again, R.B. Silva, one of uh, one of Marvel's Stormbreaker artists, uh, just yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be a really a really interesting story arc. So I'm I'm on for this. There's a few variants as well. Um, Peach Momoko, Scotty Young, and uh, interestingly, a hidden gem variant cover by Jack Kirby from Beyond the Grave. Quite so. Uh, it's hard to beat. So that. yeah, it's hard to beat that Mark Brooks cover, eh? Though. Mm-hmm. Really looks lovely. Really looks lovely. 
Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that and Fantastic Four. Um, the there's a new X book launching as well, but strangely, it's not listed. You know, as part of the, as part of the, the X book lineup, it's called X Corp. Um, and it, I guess that there, at the time that um, Grant Morrison was was involved with X Men, there was a there was an X Corp angel had set up or, so, or someone had set up a. A corporation, and this seems to be a, a throwback to that. So this is by Teeny Teeny Howard, um, who's currently on Excalibur, and Alberto Alberto Foch, um, covered by David Adja. You'll be happy to see a glorious uh, cover that, and that, a variant co- cover by Otto cover Schmidt. Alone has me interested in this. Mm. So this it says the deals have been made. Mutant Kind is safe in Krakoa, and as the reign of X continues, what are the wants of mutants who have everything? Leading the charge is X Corporation, headed by CXO's Monet St. Croix, uh, who is uh, Monet and Penance, uh, or M and Penance, and Warren Worthington, who is the Angel. Uh, a duo of cutthroat uh, and ruthless in the boardroom, uh, as they are in the battlefield, but X Corp needs more than just its figureheads. As Monet sets out to staff their team with some of the brightest and most deviant minds of mutant kind, Warren finds himself in tense meeting with one of Grakoa's first allies, who wants to know the truth. Uh, on Angel's wings, will X Corp crash or soar? So this is it's, it's a five issue miniseries. Looks like a totally different take on the whole thing. Uh, kind of interested, I have to say. What about yourself? As I say, cover alone uh, means I will yep. certainly give issue one a go. I have to, I have to admit. Yeah, I mean the X books can be a little hit and miss for me. I find them really hard to keep up with. Uh, I've been collecting the dawn of X books and reading those and. Strangely enough, I'm actually really looking forward to next week's releases because the Omnibus is coming out for X of Swords, which mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to to sitting down and reading. But yeah, this this looks good to me. I mean, obviously, Teeny Hard's been very involved with the X titles so far. Teeny Hard writes Excalibur, I believe. She does, and she was also instrumental to X of Swords, um, yeah. Yeah, so... We'll see how we get on with that, but yeah, five issue X series. I like when they say that they're going to be shorter series in the X titles because, again, there's just so many to keep up with. You've X Men, you've X Force, you've New Mutants, you've Excalibur, you've, you know, you've Marauders, you've uh, X Factor, you have uh, yeah. Children of the Atom, which is still to launch, and then here's another one. So it can be, it can get a little overwhelming, I think, but at the same time, you got to appreciate and enjoy Hickman's scope for all these titles as well. So. So yeah, X Core number one. I I see a lot of these one shots coming out. This Curse of the the Man thing stuff. What what, what is this? That was. I mean, I I didn't really pick up on that, but that's part that that's part three of a three part uh, a three part story. And I think Steve Orlando has written the story overall. I don't know where the first two parts were. I know there's um, Avengers think, Curse of the Man thing, and there was a Spider Man Curse of I the think Man. Spider Man's the other one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm just not I'm just not sure what it what it was. Uh, I don't know. This is the X Men Curse of the Man thing is the the last one shot of the three. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm really glad to see uh, to see uh, Jean Lun Yang uh, back on Shang Chi. So they had the you know the Shang Chi mini series which is still ongoing. They had the the Shang Chi one shot last month, and it looks like uh, we've got a we've got an ongoing here uh, with uh, art by Dyke Ruan and uh, cover by Lionel Francis Yu. Um, but Shang Chi versus the Marvel Universe. Now, as we know, Shang Chi is about to become a big property. Uh, you know, with the the the, the, the Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings uh, coming out from Marvel Cinematic. Is it before the end of this year or is it next year? 
Can't remember. Who knows? Hard to say. Who Hard knows say. with release dates for movies these days? Yeah, for sure. Now, the, the, the miniseries was was fantastic. It introduced Shang-Chi's family in a very updated way. Um, the You know, in the, the, I guess there was like an order of, of weapons and his various brothers and sisters uh, were, were, were the heads of, of various families associated with various weapons. But in this, Shang-Chi and his family are back. And this time, they're colliding head-to-head with Marvel's biggest heroes. Shang-Chi has finally taken his place as the leader of the Five Weapons Society, but using an evil secret organization as a force for good won't be easy. And it's about to get a lot harder when Shang-Chi's fellow superheroes like Amazing Spider-Man start to see him as the bad guy. So I'm really looking forward to this. This is this is going to be great. You know, it's really pulling Shang-Chi into the center of, of the Marvel Universe, um, but, but possibly not in the way he wants to be pulled. Uh, so thoroughly enjoying the Shang-Chi stuff in the lead up to the, to the movie. So... Uh, this might be a, a good place to, to get on board, especially, I mean, that, that Shang-Chi five-issue miniseries will be coming out in trade, I think, this month as well. Yep. Um, so I think that would be, uh, yeah, grab the trade and then grab the first issue of this baby. And then speaking of things to grab from this month's Marvel book, this is definitely my standout title for the month mm-hmm. when it comes to single issues. So... We spoke before many, many times about Spider-Man Life Story, A, because it was just a really brilliant self-contained title, but also that the format was really interesting. And given Marvel's huge scope of characters, there's no reason not to do this. With care, of course, you don't want it just being you know, thrown out for the sake of it, but if it's done with care for other characters. So they've announced Fantastic Four Life Story number one of six. So again, for anyone who hasn't read Spider-Man Life Story, it was essentially a trip through the entire history of Spidey, but with the unique caveat that Peter aged decade to decade. So six issues set over six decades. And with Fantastic Four Life Story, it's actually being released on the Fantastic Four's 60th anniversary. Look at that symmetry right oh, there. Beautiful. It's almost like they planned it. Almost like they planned it. So it is a different creative team, which is fair enough. There's there's no issues with that. So it's Mark Russell on writing duties and Sean Isaac on art with Daniel Acuna doing covers. Of course, there'll be a couple of variants. You've got talents such as Marcos Martin, Paolo Rivera and Brett Booth on this. So straight away, I'm interested in this just because of the format, because... What was great about Spider-Man Life Story was that it was throwing up unique takes on those classics, but some of those classics I didn't know as much about. Uh, obviously, someone like yourself was just giddy month on month going like, they're doing the mm, Clone Saga yeah. now. They're, they're <laughs> yeah, introducing the symbiote now. So, so how do you I've feel got about your back. A, I've got your back. How Don't do you worry. feel about a Fantastic Four one? Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it'll be really interesting. Um, you know, it'll be interesting, I guess, seeing them grow old as a you know, as a family and, you know, Johnny won't always be the, I guess he'll always be the kid brother, but I mean, you know what I mean? Um, and whenever, you know, especially when the kids come along, uh, Franklin and Val, I think this could be, this could be really interesting if it's, if it's handled right. And certainly from what I can see, it just looks, it looks great. I imagine there'll be some involvement of Dr. Doom in here as well. I would say so. I mean, that, that's the other thing because it's not just with with life story that was Peter that was aging. It was all the whole universe was aging around him as well, and you got mm-hmm. to see those older takes on characters, which were just really really interesting. Actually, we got to see an older take on Reed, didn't we? I believe so. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if that'll be a little crossover issue. That would be quite mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the pre pre order is not already big. I think that's that has the potential to be one of Marvel's biggest titles this year, just because everyone enjoyed the Spider Man life story format so much. So that's near enough it in terms of original titles kicking off this month in events. So you've got continuing titles that we're certainly looking forward to. I know that 
you know, you're very much looking forward to the mighty Valkyries. You love you some Jason Aaron, Jane Foster. Tales. Oh yeah, absolutely. I do indeed. And then, uh, I guess the Marvels by Kurt Busiek will be, will be in its second issue. Spider-Man's Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow by Chip will be in its, its second of four issues. And Alien by uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson and Salvador Larocco will really have started to, to bed in. And I think by May we'll know what we think of it. Yeah, and that's it. And, and all these titles we're mentioning here that are, are continuing in this one, none of these have been released yet. So again, if they do appeal to you, there's still time to get your pre-orders in for it. There's there's no problems uh, there. And one of those that, I mean, I guess because there is still time to get your pre-orders in and following on from the King and Black, uh, Black Knight one-shot, I would highly recommend you get your order in for Sy Spurrier's Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade. Uh, it'll be at number three uh, of five by, by May, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, after after the quality of that guy's work on on uh, Hellblazer, uh, and then on the on the the Black Knight one shot, which for me has been the top King and Black one shot uh, so far, or, or King and Black tie in even mm-hmm. uh, so far, I would I would highly recommend getting your getting your hands on the first issue of uh, of Ebony Blade. And then my main recommendation of a title that's that hasn't started just yet, but is continuing in this book is Better Ray Bill, which is going to be on number three of five by men. That's simply because. Similar to what Keith was saying about the great work Cy Spurrier does. Obviously, I massively enjoyed Wonder Woman Dead Earth by Daniel Warren Johnson, and he is both writing and drawing Better A Bill, so very much looking forward to that as well. You've got the X books continuing. Um, I'm wondering, uh, cable number 11, the uh, the solicitation for it is called Summer's End. Some summers seem like they never end, and some end too soon. I'm wondering, is this going to be the last issue of cable? Either the last issue of Cable or the last issue for a Summers family member, perhaps? Mm, perhaps. Could be intriguing. Uh, but yeah, you've got the, the titles continuing. You've new issues of Marauders, new Children of the Atom, new Mutants, Wolverine, Hellions, X-Factor. And of course, uh, the, the frontline title of X-Men itself. Uh, what else? We yeah, can... I mean, two issues, two issues of X-Men uh, in March, uh, X-Men 19 and X-Men 20, both by Jonathan Hickman. X-Men 19 is art by Mahmoud Azrar. Uh, always uh, always worth uh, picking up and, and having a look at. But X-Men 20 is kind of interesting because the artist is TBA, mm-hmm. uh, which is an odd thing to see in a solicitation. But what's even cooler is we have the, uh, the, the a close-up on the cover of the face of a, a Nimrod Sentinel. Uh, and uh, you know, if you've read uh, if you've read House and Powers, you know the significance of the rise of AI and the rise of uh, of the Sentinels. So I think we're going to be uh, we're going to be you know starting to push into the into the Powers of X stuff. You remember the stuff that was that was all the different lives of of Moira McTaggart and and that particular one that all of those were about trying to to stop the ascendancy of AI and uh, to see a Nimrod there on the uh, on the cover isn't isn't cool. The solicitation just reads system online processing uh pretty pretty spooky um x-men legends uh, i read the first issue of it and it was fantastic uh, i really really enjoyed that so by x-men legends 4 we've got uh we've got louise simonson wheezy uh picking up uh as the as the writer uh, of that uh, particular book uh that, that should be dealing with x factor so very very cool and then, of course, you're into the Spider-Man universe. They're very uh, positive here that non-stop Spider-Man 3 will be at number three by this point. We're still waiting on number one in that book. is eternally, <laughs> eternally delayed. So it's the most ironic title for a, title, uh, for a Spider-Man title ever. 
non-stop <laughs> a couple of spidey issues i see there's a jan size amazing spider-man coming out which uh mark begley covering that and expenser's writing yeah looks like it ties into the ongoing story of amazing spider-man uh which is all about the uh, the tablets of life life and destiny and death and entropy as as kingpin tries to get those so those that harks back to the original story that brought kingpin into amazing spider-man's uh you know that and introduced kingpin effectively so uh, we've got Boomerang in there and uh, and uh, Spider-Man and Randy Robertson and Robert Robertson and and uh, and all of that, Beetle. And, uh, so, yeah, it looks like a really interesting uh, story. Uh, and that that giant size seems to be a, a part of that story. And, of course, it has the most overused line in comics history in the solicitation of everything comes down to this. Everything will change. Forever. Forever. <laughs> So yeah, a few other Spidey titles coming out as ever. Miles Morales, you got continuing. You've got Spider-Woman. And uh, the next one that really grabs me, of course, Daredevils. Zdarsky continuing to do great stuff. I'd like to think by now the spoiler's out of the bag that everyone knows that Elektra is Daredevil while Matt's in prison at the moment. So you've got that uh, great Marco Cicchetto cover there of her, you know, chilling out on a rooftop looking exhausted from protecting the city with uh, a Daily Bugle nestling beside her with a picture of Matt saying, daredevil dead question mark uh so just continues to be for me marvel's top tier title uh immortal hulk seems to be enjoying doing these wee one shots yeah i mean i'll be interested to yeah i'll be interested to see just how many immortal hulk uh titles that uh al ewing has penned you know whenever Mm -hmm. the 50 issue run finishes you know in addition to the to the 50 issues so I mean, Immortal Hulk will be at 46 in, in May, so that seems to be, that'll be barreling towards its conclusion. And, uh, you know, it seems the Gamma Monsters are coming back, converging one by one on New York City. Uh, so that'll be that'll be interesting. But yeah, Immortal Hulk time of monsters one shot. Um, Al Ewing and Alex uh, Pacmadel introduced the original Hulk. So I wonder, does this, does this uh, hark back to Jason Aaron's Avengers 1 million BC? Um says 10,000 years ago, something green and glowing uh, comes to poison the ancient ground of the fertile crescent and the hearts of its people. One boy is left to bear the consequences and for the first time to open the green door. Plus, Bruce Banner faces a challenge unlike anything he's seen before. Um, so there you are. Uh, this will be, I guess, the green door has been central to the immortal Hulk and uh, and his multiple personalities. So, and the and, and the one the one that blow all, the, the, vil- the villain. So, is this the the first opening of the green door uh you know ten thousand years ago interesting stuff yeah one of my favorite artists on that as well juan ferreira mm-hmm. uh, big big fan of and then just the other one that i just thought deserved a bit of love thrown out for it just because of its absolutely amazing cover is strange academy number 10 mm-hmm. uh, which is titled field trip as uh, the students are off to asgard but i just <laughs> love the uh the imagery in the background of at the end of the rainbow bridge it's uh, Galactus's helmet just sitting there, just as the entrance. Just great stuff. Uh, I recently got caught up in Strange Academy. I see what you guys meant by so emotional. That yeah, was, those were uh, those were a couple <laughs> of tear jerking. Yeah, they were. I mean, that's a that's a a book, a Scotty Young book that I guess is we're really starting to give a lot of love. What's something we we mention every every month now? You know, yeah, um, first, in our in our reviews podcast. The first trade just came out there last week, and it's a great all ages book. So it is. It's it's great for older readers like ourselves, but I definitely think that would appeal to younger readers massively as well. And then I suppose I'll let you take lead now as we jump into a galaxy far, far away and Marvel's pretty much their second event that they're setting up of the book. Yeah. 
I mean, I know Star Wars isn't your isn't your bag, so uh, but I mean, maybe this could be the this could be the thing, especially with Charles Soule writing and Steve McNiven on art. That is uh, a combo. It's hard to look past that. So, apparently, back in 2019, Charles Soule created a big pitch document for for Marvel's flagship Star Wars series and outlined his plans for the title, but also included one particular story that he really wanted to write. And the outline was along the lines of Boba Fett doesn't take. Han Solo directly to Jabba's palace after he's frozen in carbonite. Something had to happen in between this intervening time between Empire and Jedi. And uh, Charles Soule was like, I, I just want to write that story. I'd like it to be about Bob Boba Fett and what happens to him. So this is this is uh, Charles Soule getting his chance. Um, so he has announced, uh, or they have announced, War of the Bounty Hunters. It's an epic crossover in the Merry Marvel tradition that will indeed reveal what Fett experienced on his journey to deliver Solo. So it runs, starts in May uh, with uh, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha, number one, a one-shot uh, by Stowell and Steve McNiven. And I mean, the, the, the interior art here in the, in the previews book just looks phenomenal. Um, and then it'll spin out into, you know, all of the post-Star Wars Empire Strikes Back line. So that's uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunters, Star Wars Darth Vader, and Star Wars uh, Doctor Afra. There's a five-issue War of the Bounty Hunters miniseries, and that'll anchor the story. And then there'll be those other bits and pieces, uh, those other bits and pieces around it. Um, but yeah, looks looks really interesting. You know, the, I say the main story we're dealing with is Boba Fett-focused crime epic. So, you know, I know you like a wee bit of crime, Alan. Um, <laughs> And that involves Boba Fett going up against some of the heaviest hitters in the galaxy, Jabba the Hutt, Black Sun, Darth Vader, a bunch of others. And it's him by himself against all those people. So they're obviously tweaking into the, the Mandalorian stuff here as well. You know, the stuff that's made oh, that so popular. The, the, the magic M word had to be spoken. Of course it did. Of course it did. And, you know, will we see Han Solo as, you know, will he have to defrost Han Solo in order to get a wee bit of a hand? Uh, hard to say, you know, so, uh, but, but yeah, very, very interesting. Um, the, overall, it will include writers like Greg Pak and Darth Vader, Alyssa Wong and Doctor Afra, and Ethan Sachs and Bounty Hunters. They're the co-writers. So yeah, it looks it looks looks pretty good. Uh, I'm interested. I mean, it's a good way to it's a classic way to do a to do a, a crossover, isn't it? You know, so I'm on Star Wars and Darth Vader, but I'm not in Bounty Hunters or, or Doctor Afra, and I guess I will be for this <laughs> for this three month period. You know, uh, so yeah, Steve McNiven, obviously Civil War. Um, but yeah, I um, I'm really I'm looking forward to this. What about yourself? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think I could give it a go. I think that uh, Boba Fett's always one of those characters that's a bit of a gateway in the Star Wars for people, isn't it? Because it's just a cool looking character. Obviously, with the Mandalorian collection, uh, connection as well. But it's it's nice to see some some unexplored stories being told. You know, with obviously this being set between Empire and Jedi and. You know, my knowledge is enough of Star Wars that I could certainly jump straight into this knowing where all the players are at that particular moment in time. So I've no doubt Vicky will be picking it up. So I've I've no doubt if I, you know, catch that Magniven art out of the corner of my eye, I might just have to yeah. give it a go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in May, obviously, you have the Alpha, you have, you know, which is the kickoff. But then you have, uh, you know, Bounty Hunters has the prelude to War of the Bounty Hunters. Uh, so does Star Wars has a, a different prelude. Darth Vader has a different prelude and Dr. Aphra has a different prelude. So I don't know yet just how critical, you know, those those other series will be to the yeah. core series. I mean, that, that'll become clear 
I mean, I don't know. They're probably sticking the arm in a bit with preludes and this and that and the other. But Star I, Wars I mean, sticking the arm in. <laughs> well, any comic what? company sticking the arm in with a crossover like. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose it's a case of putting all the characters where they're going to be for that five issue miniseries. So I suppose this is their way of saying all these characters are going to play a part in War of the Bounty Hunters. So it yeah. makes sense. It's it's just about positioning them where they're going to be probably on that issue one, I would mm-hmm. say. So, but yeah, same again with this. You know, pre-orders have already started and they're already pretty strong. Mm-hmm. So I can see people really enjoying that. And we'll, we'll get a reading list, I'm quite sure, where part one, part two, part three so far is and, and how closely tied things are. So we'll let you know as soon as we know. All right, so that's, uh, that's pretty much all the Marvel single-issue stuff done. So we're just going to finish the Marvel book off with the the part that brings tears to both mine and Keith's eyes yeah. because of the sheer volume of expensive volumes. Boom. Oh, holy moly, uh-huh. there are some omnibuses this month. Yeah, I mean, starting with, uh, I mean, for me anyway, uh, starting with the Amazing Spider-Man uh, hardcover omnibuses, I had obviously, I don't know, I feel like I hadn't noticed parts one and two, volume one and two hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's, it's the classic Stan Lee and Roy Thomas stuff. Uh, John Romita Sr., Gil Kane, John John Buscema. And you're looking at 920 pages, a hardback. Uh, I guess they're, they're colored. I have I have a lot of those essentials that were released in the 90s that are all black and white. Black and whites, but yeah. uh, I would very easily replace them with these for sure. You know, the Amazing Spider-Man. These look like something else. They are not, they are not cheap coming in at $125 a pop. Uh, so what's that, about a, a hundred and... 10 quid yeah, or... the uh, the RRP in these tends to be 110, but I'd I'd mentioned that uh, we were working on a new omnibus section for the store. So what we will be doing is any new omnibuses that come in will always be sold below RRP. So if they're 110, we'll probably be selling it at 100 there thereabouts. Okay. So because we really want to promote this format, because as you say, this this is the classic era stuff. This is going right back to you know Amazing Spider-Man number 68 to 104. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. try, you try and collect those single issues, you're paying more than $125. No. <laughs> but if you're a real fan, you don't worry about collecting them, you want to read them. Yeah, well, that's, 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 the, that's, that's fair key. as well. And this, is, this, is, this would be a really good way to do it. And honestly, Alan, I think I'm, uh, I'm going to have to ask you to, to grab volume one and two of this <laughs> so I can uh, put it into my collection. So I'm sure that can be arranged. Um, and then also another one that certainly grabbed my eye this month, I'm a huge Daredevil fan. Daredevil and the Surfer are always my two favorite Marvel characters, and we've got maybe a slightly underrated run with uh, you just we just spoken about him with Star Wars. So this was the the Charles Soule run on Daredevil, which led to a storyline called the Death of Daredevil, and this is maybe slightly underrated in my mind, but maybe it's just for me because I love the Mark Wade run so much, and mm. I love the Zdarsky run so much. And you've never read the Brubaker run. And I'll get to the Bruce Baker run at some point. I've read the Frank Miller run at least. Right. Um, but you know the connective tissue to the Wade run and the Zdarsky run is the Charles Soul run. So this is essentially going to be all of Charles Soul stuff. So you've got in here Daredevil one number one to twenty eight. You've also that was uh, was that all the the. the... Ten fingers and the blind spot stuff yeah. and the muse stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a villain in it. I believe at the start. I'm trying to remember the name. It was like a blind artist who painted their masterpieces with people's blood. Yeah, it was muse. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this is going to include that that volume, which is number one to twenty eight. Then they went on to legacy numbering for a while, which led to the death of Daredevil. That was numbers five nine five to six twelve, and then you're also going to have a couple of annuals in there as well. So. Same again, it's pricey at 125 bucks, but it's 1,216 pages. 
that's a lot of value. It's a lot of that, that that you need a you need a strong shelf to hold that boy. Strong table to read it as well. Mm-hmm, uh, for sure. And uh, there's another another Spider-Man one that's jumping out at me here as well. It's Spider-Man by Todd McFarlane omnibus hardcover. Uh, there's there's a couple of uh, variants of the cover actually. There's uh, no, the McFarlane... nothing sums up a Todd McFarlane volume like multiple variants. Oh, it's <laughs> there, well, there, it's a lovely variant. There's one with the red and blue costume, and there's one with the black costume. And this red and blue costume cover, I had a poster of that on my wall mm-hmm. for years, years and years. Uh, I'd love to know where that poster went because if it's still in good condition, I would love to frame it. Which, um, which cover would you go for? I would go the red and blue. Because Stephen has pre-ordered this volume, but he went for the black suit. Sure he did. Sure he did. Now, <laughs> I mean, Todd, mate, this was this was whenever Todd took over uh, took over Spider-Man, but it was he made it. The, it wasn't the Amazing Spider-Man. It was Spider-Man, his own adjectiveless Spider-Man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he was he had become the superstar illustrator, and he he changed the industry forever. Uh, I guess with this. Uh, he he, t- he was writing and drawing, and he, uh, I mean, I guess it says it all here. He ushered Peter Parker into a gritty new era, and it began with Torment, which featured Calypso and the Lizard, uh, like he'd never seen Lizard before. Uh, when the Big Apple streets run red with blood, the web, the, the web slinger heads into the sewers to stop Lizard's homicidal rampage. But what is driving his old friend and, fa- and, and foe? Plus, Ghost Rider lends a bony hand when the deranged Hobgoblin returns. The wall, cra- wall crawler finds himself at the center of a clash of claws between Wolverine and Wendigo, and Peter goes back in black to face Morbius, the living vampire. And in the ultimate 90s team-up, Spidey joins X-Force to battle the unstoppable juggernaut. So this collects Spider-Man uh, of, the 1990, of 1990, 1 to 14, number 16, and X-Force number 4. So I, I'm, I'll maybe grab that as well. I mean, that's, 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 that's a good job. And I think it's, what, 440 pages? And it comes in at seventy five dollars. So seventy five is around sixty five RRP. So mm-hmm. we'll probably have that in store for sixty. I would say. Uh, have you ever read any of that Todd McFarlane Spider Man stuff? I have not. No, I've I've obviously seen so much from it. You know, it's a lot of its iconic imagery. His Spider Man was always very athletic, wasn't he? He was. He always made a point of saying that. Uh, in terms of anatomy, it wasn't maybe always correct, but that's kind of the point. It was, he, he made him, he very much took the man and made him a spider. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of things that you, you haven't read, uh, are you still on the uh, the Thor um, by uh, by Jason Aaron? Jason Aaron, yeah. That's so, the, for anyone who doesn't know, the Thor Jason Aaron run is, is probably Keith's equivalent to my Batman Tom Keen run. They're two long runs by two writers that we really, really enjoy. Uh, unfortunately, Keith was reading Batman at the time, so I couldn't really recommend it to him. But he always told me to go back and read the Thor stuff. And after reading Conan, I, I made a point of going back. So I recently uh, got the first 25 issues of it for myself, just single issue form. But I do collect these complete collections, which I believe is reaching number three. This number month. three, yeah. So that'll be, I think, volume three will cover uh, Mighty Thor number one to nineteen. So that's when Jane Foster lifts the mystic hammer of Mjolnir and is transformed into the goddess of thunder. Um, so there's some stuff going on there. It's a lot of prelude to the Ten Realms stuff. You know the other other realms stuff with mm. Malekith and all of that sort of. So yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and- speaking of Jason Aaron and uh, once again evaluing, I see they've got Loki, Agent of Asgard, the complete collection trade paperback. Is this the uh, basis for the Loki TV show coming up? There's a lot of people I thinking think so. so yeah. yeah, I mean, so 
he became um, he became, I guess, Asgard's one man secret service. He was trying not to be mischievous. Uh, Loki is ready to lie, cheat, and steal his way uh, on through the most treacherous missions that his mother uh, can throw at him. So he was he was he was made the the agent of Asgard by by his mother. Um, uh, starting with a with a heart stopping heist at Avengers Tower, Loki takes on Lorelai at Mount Monte Carlo's casinos, heads to the ancient past in a quest for a magical sword, and puts together a crew to crack the deepest dungeons of Asgardia itself. Plus, Axis pits him against the British Thor, God of Evil. But who is King Loki? Um, this is kind of like a cross between uh, Thor and James Bond, so I think it might appeal to you. Words you thought um, you would never utter. Yeah, absolutely. It was a 2014, 2014 book. It collects uh, issues 1 to 17. It collects uh, a few issues of uh, Original Sin. There are 5.1, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4, and 0.5, and, uh, and a few other bits and pieces. So, yeah, this is it's softback, so it's not one of those big, uh, big chunky omnibuses. Yeah, but plenty for your plenty for your money there as well. Mm-hmm. And then just to finish off as well, just chatting about Thor there, the second volume of Donny Cates' great run is out this month as well. Uh, so this is going to be covering the the two-issue interlude, which I believe it was Aaron Cooter did the art for, but then jumping into a storyline I'm very much enjoying at the moment called Prey with Nick Klein on art. So that's going to be volume two. And it's going to be a bigger volume than the first one. The first one covered the first six issues. Uh, so this one's actually going to cover the next eight because Prey has a six-issue storyline, but it'll also have those two bonus. And yeah, just one more thing I suppose I should point out with the Marvel book is that there's a couple of really good all-ages titles being released as well uh, towards the back of the book. So again, this is something we're working on to reopen the store with is having a, a younger reader section, so making it approachable for those younger readers. And Marvel are really good for this. And they're starting to release the original Spider-Man stuff. And they're doing it in the mighty Marvel Masterworks form. Uh, So it's going to be the Amazing Spider-Man with great power graphic novel trade paperback. So it's going to have the first 10 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. And then also Amazing Fantasy 15, which of course is the first appearance. But instead of doing these older books in what we were just talking about in those omnibus form with 40, 50 issues, you know, a kid's not going to be able to hold that in any way. They're just going to look at it and think, <laughs> this is bigger than the Bible, I'm not reading this. So the fact that they're releasing these ones sort of aiming at a slightly, you know, they even said in the book as a new line of graphic novels perfect for middle grade readers and up, I think this is going to be the start of something and uh, we will definitely be getting these in as well. I think they're actually smaller volumes as well. Um mm. I've pointed this out to a few people. There's there's a range called Marvel Action, and there's a range uh, DC Superhero Girls and the the young adult ones, and they're smaller books because obviously they have smaller hands, so they're more that, comfortable. Uh, Marvel Action is IDW, isn't it? It's a combination between IDW and Marvel. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. Marvel Action Spider-Man, there's Captain Marvel, there's Doctor Strange, there's Avengers, and uh, they're just great for getting younger readers on board. So... So yeah, that is the Marvel book. So I, I have... well, one one wee quick mention just for me, Alan. Just to just done it. I guess it's it's partly because I mean we've seen some announcements recently about uh, the Moon Knight TV series mm-hmm. uh, and Ethan Hawke joining that series potentially as uh, as Raw Bushman. But uh, it's a it's an early solicit. I know uh, I know our good friend Martin will be really interested in this. But it's the Moon Knight Epic Collection Volume One, Bad Moon Rising. Uh, so it includes uh, the early Moon Knight stuff from from uh, I guess 1971. Uh, Doug Minch, uh, David Anthony Kraft, Bill Mantlo, Steve Grant, 
uh, Don Perlin, Keith Giffen, Mike Zek, Jim Mooney, Jim Craig, Gene Colan, uh, and Bill Sinkowicz. But it's, I mean, you discover the many faces of Moon Knight, mercenary, werewolf hunter, superhero, millionaire playboy, cab driver, ghost. Moon Knight is many things to many people with multiple personalities to match. Follow the fist of Khonshu as he battles for his place in the Marvel Universe in this collection of his earliest appearances from his startling debut as a nemesis of Werewolf by Night to an unlikely stint with the Defenders, uh, from encounters with Spider-Man and the, the Thing on the solo adventures that shaped the legend. Relive the rise of the moon's uh, spectre of vengeance. So collecting 504 pages of material uh, for $40. Um, so another one that's that's good bang for your buck and, and a real good jumping on point if you're interested in, in uh, Moon Knight's TV series and the the, the person, the, the character who has been described as Marvel's version of Batman. Which never sat right with me because for me, Daredevil no, is Marvel's version of Batman. So, uh, apart from being rich because Matt Murdock is perennially poor. (laughs) Well, yeah, there you are. So, yeah, so after me saying that I didn't think the Marvel book was that strong, there's a full hour's worth of content on why the Marvel book was really strong. Uh, Yeah, tons of great stuff there to to look forward to. So, yeah. Did it change your mind in Heroes Reborn? Oh, I'm definitely in for Heroes Reborn. I, I just didn't know enough about it. I think that's that's the bottom line. I, I trust the creative team, and I like the weekly format, and I like the one-shot element to it. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be on board for Heroes Reborn. I always jump into a good Marvel a good Marvel event. So, so yeah, so we're going to jump off from Mighty Marvel and on to DC. So, as I was saying before, DC's book this month, for me anyway, I thought was, was quite strong. Uh, I don't know if there's quite the same volume of releases that there is from Marvel, uh, but I I think that tends to be the the case most months. Marvel do tend to release more content than DC, but with DC they've went up front with some sort of spin out series, so to speak, from uh, the Future State stuff. So what DC are going to be doing moving forward is DC are going to be doing instead of doing fortnightly titles like Batman, Detective Comics, Action Comics, Superman, they're going to be monthly. They're going to be bigger issues, but they're always going to have a backup story. And we had sort of surmised a little bit that those backup stories were going to be used to maybe take a chance on lesser known characters, see if they appeal to people, and then they'll maybe get their own mini series or their own ongoing, so to speak. So, in one of the, uh, in a couple of the Future State books, I believe it was Superman Worlds at War was one of them, there was a, a backup series for Mr. Miracle. And they're now going to launch a six issue mini based out of the back of this called Mr. Miracle The Source of Freedom. So this is written by Brandon Easton with art by Fico Osio and the covers by Yannick Paquette. Anyone who's taken on Mr. Miracle, first of all, I applaud you are brave because the last run of Mr. Miracle, whether you liked it or not, was a juggernaut. You know, it, it, it won Eisner's, it was massively selling, it it transcended the genre a little bit. You know, there was, there was people talking about Mr. Miracle who wouldn't normally be comic readers and it certainly made a fan out of me and I've went back to the older Jack Kirby you know new gods fourth world stuff as a result so anyone who takes on mr miracle is a brave soul i have to say but (laughs) but it is going to be a different mr miracle so this one is uh spinning out of dc future state the story of how shiloh norman became the mr miracle of tomorrow starts here the mr miracle show used to be the hottest ticket in town whether you caught him on stage escaping from perilous traps or spotted him on the streets of metropolis taking out bad guys What Shiloh forgot is the role of both showbiz and superheroine, always leave them wanting more. Now it's time to show the world what a miracle man can do. Showbiz superhero rule number two, timing is everything. 
there's a new performer in town who wants to knock Mr. Miracle off his pedestal and stake a claim to his famous mon- moniker. Can Shallow break free of this trap? Why, yes, that is a clue. So, yeah, I'm on board for this. I, I love a new take on a on an interesting character. Again, it'll be hard to not invite those comparisons to the great work Tom Kane and Mitch Dreads mm. did. But hopefully this is uh, this is going to differentiate itself enough, I would say. And, and DC have led with this as their their number one series of this month, so they've clearly a lot of uh, a lot of faith in it. Is this something that interests you at all? Um, the the Mister Miracle uh, backstory was in which book was it in? Uh, sort of uh, which words of War, I believe. Yeah, I, I find it a wee bit. Uh, I, I don't know. I maybe wasn't following it as closely as a. As I could have, um, so it certainly wasn't one of the backstories that that grabbed me as closely as it sh- as, as for example Justice League Dark did mm-hmm. or the Grifter story did. Um, and I, I mean, while I, I mean I, I did enjoy Tom King's Mister Miracle, I don't know if I'm going to go for this one. Uh, I don't. There is there is one of the Future State books uh, that I'm I'm really interested in, and I think we're all interested in it. But I don't know if this one's for me. I mean, it might come out, and and whenever you read it. You might end up changing my mind, but I just couldn't figure out where it sat. Yeah, you know, I just couldn't figure out where it where it sat. I think it's maybe one for more of the more the the DC fan for sure. The, 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 I mean, the hardcore DC fan. But I mean, I, I could I could change my mind. It it, it does it, it sounds interesting for what it is for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Challenge accepted. I will talk you into that eventually. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but another character they've went sort of uh, they've went big on this month is Wonder Girl which is Yara Floor, you know, who was, uh, again, part of the Wonder Woman Future State series. And again, she's getting her own series now. The main reason this appeals to me is I really like Joelle Jones. She did an amazing job with Catwoman, which uh, spun out of the the Batman 50, the Batman wedding issue, or the wedding that never happened, I should say. And (laughs) and as anybody who knows me, I have a soft spot for Batman 50, (laughs) to say the least. But... I, a, a soft spot is that what you call it uh, a massive weakness <laughs> it's probably a better term uh yeah three new variants arrived this week but we'll not talk about that but mm-hmm. but yeah joelle jones she basically launched the catwoman series off the back of that issue and i i've loved catwoman since and that was never a character that massively appealed to me outside of batman but you know she managed to do it so she's doing this now with wonder girl uh she's both writing and drawing so you know, hopes are high because she did the same thing with Catwoman as well. So for this one, it is the story of Yara Floor. Raised in the far-off land of Boys, Idaho, Yara Floor has always felt something was missing from her life, and now she is headed to Brazil to find it. Little does she know her arrival will set off a series of events that will change the world of Wonder Woman forever. Her return has been prophesied, and with that prophecy comes the undivided attention of benevolent gods from pantheons beyond. Danger lurks around every corner, but is this young hero ready for her journey? Find out in a debut issue you can never miss. So obviously Wonder Woman is is going to be taking a new place in the DC Universe after the events of Death Metal. And I think we'll find out a few more answers with regards to that in Infinite Frontier next week. So clearly the mantle is there for someone to step into. And this is clearly what this series is going to do. So I know Wonder Woman's probably not a massive character for you. So I, I don't know if this, is, if this is up your alley or not. But it looks to be an ongoing. It doesn't have any sort of breakdown like uh, Mr. Miracle, which will be one of six. This yeah. just seems to be an ongoing series. Um, I'll tell you what, though, I'm really looking forward to Infinity, Infinite Frontier, uh, number zero next week. Yeah, uh, I think and, it'll give us some more answers. Definitely. Well, and I'm, I'm really interested in this next Future State book as well, uh, the the Future State Gotham 
book. I mean, obviously the uh, you know the future state books were grouped, I guess, loosely around you know the the, the Batman stuff or the Superman stuff or the, you know the Justice League sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so this looks interesting, and especially with Joshua Williamson uh, on on writing duties. But there's one thing that uh, that's sort of confusing me. Why are they making it black and white? Maybe it's a stylistic it's choice. Stylistic choice, uh, yeah. It's the only thing so, I can uh, only thing I can imagine. I would say because normally they reserve the black and white stuff for specific books like Batman Black and White, that kind of mm, thing. And Future mm-hmm. State, one of the the strengths of Future State, I thought, was the, that the sort of neo landscape. You know, it's, yeah, the, the yeah. colors really popped in a lot of books. So, and the, the colors really pop on that on that cover, that red hood cover. Oh, look at that! Um, but cover. yeah, um, oh yeah. I was trying to figure out where they've got the king and black symbol on the on the variant cover. <laughs> Maybe this crossover is closer than you think, Keith. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, I guess this is this is the future state Gotham uh, book again, like uh, like Wonder Woman. It doesn't seem to be a, a mini series by any means. It's it's an ongoing, and the event that was DC Future State continues in its own ongoing title, starring the Bat Family, beginning with the epic story Hunt the Batman. Disaster strikes Gotham City, and all evidence points to the next Batman. That's the the next Batman. That's uh, Jace Fox. Uh, Red Hood must ju- choose justice over his family and allies when the corrupt magistrate enlists him, bringing the new Batman dead or alive. Uh, featuring the entire cast from the, prop, prop, the popular Future State Batman titles, this new series kicks off the next chapter in this forbidding world of tomorrow and does so in brilliant monochromatic storytelling. The uh, black and white series will showcase the brutal world that's around the corner in future state Gotham. So yeah, really glad to see that they're they're continuing yeah. in the future state. You and know, they, they used Red Hood in a very interesting way as well, where he was essentially a mask bounty hunter, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, so it's uh, it's definitely an interesting way of utilizing the character and the fact that you can see in that cover art that there's these wanted flyers about. So you've wanted Batman, wanted Nightwing, wanted Stephanie Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, a spoiler. So there's there's a lot of scope here, and similar to what you just said, I really am glad the future state's coming back in one way or another because I think it's an interesting world they've built, and I love describing it to people as Mega City One meets Gotham, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I get the feeling that because Future State was sort of born out of the ashes of Dan DeDio's ill-fated fifth generation sort of reboot that was you know reportedly planned. Yeah, yeah. I get the mm-hmm. feeling there were a lot more stories planned out and. Certainly with Dark Detective, I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but certainly with Dark Detective, four issues was not enough for that series. It was excellent with an underground Bruce Wayne relying on his wits, uh, you know, stripped of his fortune, the most hunt, hunted person in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. Just brilliant series. So Dark Detective has been standout, as has Catwoman. Yeah, and Nightwing as well. I mean, it's yeah. again, yeah. it's it's no surprise that all the Gotham titles appeal to us the most. So, <laughs> so they've definitely in this book at us well. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, speaking of Batman, of course there had to be a Bat book early on in the new DC book. So we're we're getting a classic title being reinvented again, which is Legends of the Dark Knight, uh, which always tends to be an anthology book. So Legends of the Dark Knight will sort of tell a couple of stories over a few issues by one creator, and then they'll jump on to a different creator and a different creator and that kind of thing. Now, this looks like it's going to be a digital first series, uh, but then will come out in print form as well. So for anyone who doesn't know, Digital First, uh, they'll release usually shorter versions of an issue. Most Digital First issues, I think, are anywhere between 15 and 18 pages. But then when a single issue comes out in print form, it's always 32 pages minimum. 
So in this case, uh, th what they tend to do is two digital issues will then form one print issue, so to speak. So with this one, the iconic series Legends of the Dark Knight is back. Comic icons and rising stars alike will tell digital first stories across the Batman mythos, beginning with Comics Legends and co-creator of the boys, Derek Robertson, writing and drawing an epic three-issue supervillain crime drama. A new player has arrived on the scene in Gotham and is selling deadly chemicals to the worst villains in town, Mr. Freeze, the Penguin and even the Joker. It's up to Batman to stop the villains, track down the supplier and save Gotham City once more. But what's interesting here is it gives you a little bit of an insight into the sort of creators that are going to be working on this title down the line. So you're going to have stories and art by Stephanie Phillips, Brandon Thomas, Becky Cloonan, Matthew Rosenberg, Brandon Easton, Kian Tormey, uh, Giannis Milonen Giannis, Carl Moster and many more. So I'm always down for another bath title as if I don't have enough of them on my pull list. <laughs> But this is the first time ever Derek Robertson is writing and drawing the boys. Uh, sorry, writing and drawing Batman. I I saw this post by him on Twitter where he showcased this cover and he basically went, I've been doing this for 30 years, guys. Sometimes it takes a while to get to the title you really want to do. <laughs> never give up. So yeah, I will very yeah. much look forward to that. I'll, uh, I'll definitely I'll hop on the first three issues, you know, the Derek Robertson issues. And then I guess we'll see who's coming up. Yeah, that's, you know, that's and, fair. Uh, that's, that's the that's the sort of uh, epitome of what we always say, follow creators. You know, mm -hmm. Legends of the Dark Knights, it may be sequential in terms of issue numbers, but, you know, you can pick and choose the, the creators or the stories that appeal to you there, I suppose. Um, next up is something that was actually announced last year at DC Fandom, that DC had acquired what was uh, the Milestone Comics label. And they're going to be reprinting older stuff, but also bringing in new stories as well. So they're going to kick things off with uh, an issue zero, which is called Milestone Returns Infinite Edition. So this has got people uh, working on this, the likes of Reginald Hudlin, Dennis Cohen, Bill Sinkovitz. Uh, you're going to have variants done by Alexa John Romita Jr. So with this one, the, the little blurb is at last it's the return of the legendary Milestone Comics. This one-shot features 24 all-new pages chronicling the events of the Big Bang, the police brutality protest gone wrong that changed the face of the city of Dakota forever by unleashing a wave of superpowers across its population. As the world watches, a bullied teenager will become the hero known as Static, a framed scientist will go on the run as the superweapon hardware, and a stranded alien will meet an ambitious young woman who will transform his life and remake the pair as the all-powerful icon and rocket. Also included is the 17-page primer story originally released online during the world-famous DC fandom event, further expanding on our heroes' origins and where they're going next, and setting up an entire world of allies, enemies, and surprises. The original milestone changed the face of superhero comics forever, introducing the industry to a wave of black talent who still shape the conversation, and the new milestone intends to raise the bar. This is the perfect jumping-on point. Don't miss out. These, Interesting. These are characters I know nothing about. So I am more than happy to be convinced. Uh, Reggie Hudlin, though, um, well known for his work on Black Panther, for example. Um, you know, and uh, I guess I guess he also works a lot in movies as well. Yeah, I believe Reginald Hudlin is responsible for one of my favorite movies ever. I'm just oh, yeah. going to look this up just to make sure I have the right person, but... Uh, it would be interesting if I didn't, but there was a great movie back in the uh, the early 90s, House Party with Kid and Play. <laughs> yes, of course, Kid and Play. Yeah. I think he also went on to have a, a rather, I think they had a few seasons of a, 
of a cartoon series as well. Yeah, they, there was three house party movies. There was also one called Class Act, which was great, where they had to mm-hmm. switch personas in school. And uh, yeah, I was a huge fan of House Party back back in the day. So that's that's the kind of talent I can get involved with. I hope Kid and Play make a little cameo in the background somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I would have no problem with that. Um, the next one up, I'll, I'll let you maybe take point on. I know this is one you're interested in. And, and again, it's a, a Derek Robertson cover. So a little link there to Legends of the Dark Knight. But of course, it is a writer that, you know, we just can't get enough of his work. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, this is, is one I've sort of been interested in. This is uh, Chip Zdarsky's Justice League, The Last Last Ride, number one. Um, Chip Zdarsky, art by Miguel Mendoza, and the cover is by Derek Robinson, so, uh, Robertson. So, uh, once the most powerful group in the world, the Justice League was destroyed by tragedy and time, disbanding under a veil of mistrust and anger. Now, on the eve of the universe's greatest murder trial, the League must come together one last time but can, can Superman, Batman, and Batman bury the past before the cosmos's greatest villains bury them? Learn the shocking truth uh, in this uh, adventure by writer Chip Zdarsky and uh, artist Miguel Mendoza. So this is, an, again, it's a digital first, so it's a 32-page uh, job. Um, it looks, looks interesting. Is this, uh, is this a mini-series? I think this was announced as a six-issue mini. I seem yeah. to remember. There's, there's no detail here in DC Connect, but... I'm ninety nine percent sure this was announced as a uh, as a six issue. And this is really this really seems to be DC taking advantage of this nothing's connected sort of everything happens and you know in, in yeah. different places post uh, post death metal sort of thing. So yeah, that's it. I think you'll get certain books that are linked along the way, but as you say, it it allows them to tell just unique stories that you can almost pull from any continuity you want, uh, which mm-hmm. is which yeah. is interesting. So. Um, but yeah, that, in terms of like new release singles, that's pretty much it for the month. But there's a couple of graphic novels I definitely want to spotlight, which are coming out this month. One of which is an original graphic, and the other one is, you know, again similar to what we were talking about the digital first model. So the original graphic is one that uh, I don't know if he listens or not, but good old Jared will definitely be looking forward to this because uh, one of our regulars came into the store for the first time three and a half years ago and said. By any chance they have Batman Earth 1 Volume 3, love the first two volumes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's not out yet. Well, I'm here to tell you, Jared, finally it is coming out. Batman Earth 1 Volume 3. So this has been a great original graphic novel series. DC have have excelled, actually, with these Earth 1 graphic novels. There's been Superman Earth 1, which I believe Straczynski was involved with. You had uh, Wonder Woman Earth 1, which was Grant Morrison. You've had Teen Titans Earth 1, which I believe was Jeff Lemire. And Batman Earth 1 has always been Jeff Johns on writing duties and Gary Frank on art. So it's no surprise we had to wait a while for this. But it's been great so far. Two volumes deep and now we're hitting volume three. So with this one, Harvey Dent is dead or is he? A gang of thieves thrust Gotham into a state of fear when they are mysteriously well-armed with military-grade weapons, flamethrowers, grenade launchers and even tanks. And this gang claims it is being funded by none other than former district attorney Harvey Dent. Balancing his two lives, Bruce Wayne must find the truth by tapping his growing network of agents, including Alfred Pennyworth, Jim Gordon, Waylon Killer Croc Jones, and the savvy new Catwoman. Bruce is distracted by the seemingly impossible return of another figure believed dead, his grandfather, Adrian Arkham. He must also confront his longtime friend, Gotham City Mayor Jessica Den, who is scarred both physically and mentally from her experience with the Riddler, which resulted in the gruesome death of her brother. But is Harvey back plotting revenge on a city he proclaims to be guilty? 
When Batman discovers the truth behind these many mysteries, his entire world unravels. So this is being solicited as the final volume of uh, the Earth One series. So it's been a long time coming, but I am really looking forward to it. I love the first two, the first two volumes. And then the other graphic that I'm really looking forward to is Deceased Hope at World's End. So this was essentially, I suppose you'd call it a sister title to the main Deceased line. Uh, Tom Taylor's still on writing duties for it, but it had a host of guest artists. Dustin Wayne, Renato Guedes, Carmine de Gian Domenico, uh, Marco Fiala, Carl Moster, who did the art for Deceased Unkillables, and Danielle Dinaculo, who does such great work on Seven Secrets. And this was this was originally released as a as a digital it was graphic indeed, novel. Yeah. So well, or... well, it was originally released as digital chapters. So there was right, fifteen okay. of them, and there are a couple of regulars in the store who were reading it and just consistently told me how great it was. Yeah. But I just wouldn't read it because it was digital. Tom Taylor always said there would be a hard copy at some point, so I I happened to wait. But I do remember seeing one panel on Twitter, and it was basically Damien riding the invisible jet, and. Uh, Wonder Woman was on one side of him and John Kent Superman was on the other side going like, you do know we can see you. It is an invisible jet. Damien sitting there as Batman looking really grumpy, but <laughs> anything that expands the deceased universe is all good with me. So deceased uh, Hope of World's End, it was previously available digitally. It expands on the world of that original deceased series by filling in the story's time jump and focusing on characters including Superman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Stephanie Brown, Wally West and Jimmy Olsen. In deceased Hobo World's End, the anti-life equation has infected over a billion people on Earth. Heroes and villains have fallen. In the immediate aftermath of the destruction of Metropolis, Superman and Wonder Woman spearhead an an effort to stem the tide of infection, preserve and protect survivors, and plan for what's next. In Earth's darkest hours, heroes will bring hope. The war for Earth has only just begun. So, yeah, that is a day one purchase for me because I, I think deceased has been incredibly consistent and a lot of fun for a series that's so well dark mm. so yeah yeah so that's essentially that's... the 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 new stuff uh <clears throat> i'm guessing deceased will appeal to you also yeah you're exactly right i mean i enjoyed the the core deceased stuff the only one that i didn't get was that villainy one. Oh, you're missing out still the yeah. best one so far i think well i'll maybe have to maybe have to look back and grab that but i mean i guess i guess most of the rest of the the dc book is is continuing stories you know philip k philip philip kennedy johnson on the on the superman and action comics books which i mean i'm really looking forward to um american vampire 1976 is coming close to an end isn't it yeah i believe it's going to be nine uh ten issues actually it got extended snyder's famous for that uh (laughs) it was originally going to be nine issues it's going to be ten now but then i'll be i'll be looking for the for that big grand omnibus that has everything in it yeah Um, then you hit batman 108 and for all you speculators out there who listen to this podcast, I would jump on Batman 108 because it's going to be a first appearance of a brand new villain called Miracle Molly. Uh, Tinian has been very, very clever about pumping this fact out there that a brand new character is coming. Bear in mind what happened to the issues that he introduced Punchline in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, just jump on Batman because it's a great title. But yeah. for you speculators um, out there. I mean, if you're a speculator, why you listen to our podcast? Because we're not kind to you. <laughs> <laughs> We don't do too bad. We don't do too bad. So, yeah, miracle, miracle, Molly. Um, but uh, even more interesting, there's an, a bonus story starring Ghostmaker. Yeah, which Tinian again will be uh, working on. But yeah, that's it. I mean, they're they're focusing very highly now. I think on quality over quantity. For a long time, Batman, Detective, Action Comics, 
Superman, Flash, they were, you know, fortnightly titles, and they're now monthly, but bigger issues, so, and with backup stories, so, again, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that, you've got Batman Black and White continuing, I have to say, I read issue three of that the other day, and the Batman Black and White series has been awesome, and the talent involved in this issue, which is actually the last issue, it's just going to be six issues long, but the talent involved in this issue, Scott Snyder, Nick Darrington, Elsa Chartier, uh, John Arcudi, Brandon Thomas, John Romita Jr., Nick Darrington, again, uh, James Harron, uh, Carrie Randolph, and you've got an mm-hmm. absolutely awesome variant cover there from Jason Fabuk, which uh, I'll have to be grabbing as well. So, Batman I mean, that John Romita, that John Romita Jr. cover, the, the, the cover that, that's displayed there is pretty awesome too. That man loves drawing characters in the rain. I've mm-hmm. noticed. I've noticed this recently, and no one does it better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, one to keep an eye out for, just in case, because it had a title change recently. Just in case anybody didn't pick it up, was uh, so Tom Taylor's going to be doing a six-issue Batman miniseries, and it was called Batman: The Dark Knight, but it is now called Batman: The Detective. I've made sure that anybody who pre-ordered it, uh, I've changed the name and made sure you're obviously still. Uh, down for it, but just something to keep an eye for in case you're wondering where issue two of Batman the Dark Knight is. Any idea where they changed the name? I have no idea whatsoever. I really don't. Um, yeah. Unless they wanted to distance it from Dark Knight's Metal or something. I... Yeah, or, yeah, I don't know. But then or, yeah. the detective is very close to detective comics, so... Uh-huh. Or unless they maybe wanted to distance it from the Frank Miller stuff. Uh, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Uh, we've got Batcat continuing. It'll be as far as number six, so that'll be the midpoint there. I've been loving that so far. Tom Keenan Clay Man. Uh, again, you've, you're continuing on these series. Now, some of these ones, again, haven't started just yet, so another one we're looking forward to is Batman Urban Legends. JRJR covering that as well. Yeah, he's, he's getting around a wee bit this month, and uh, Urban Legends is, is pretty much a team-up issue of two of our favourite writers, which is Chip Zdarsky and Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, are consistently doing that it's it involves grifter it involves red hood as well as batman of course and also has great nightwing artist eddie barrows on that so again number one hasn't launched just yet so if that appeals to you do get in touch uh what else we got here detective comics i can't emphasize this enough jump on detective comics at 10 34 just for Dan Mora's Dan art. Mora, yeah. <laughs> like, the writing is great as well. Mariko Tamaki's been doing some great stuff with Future State Dark Detective, but Dan Mora was drawn to... Or, was drawn... Was born to draw Batman. He he reminds me a little bit of Jim Lee and his pomp, and that's the biggest compliment I can I can give him there. Mm. Um, I see you were uh, interested in Flash. I know you, were, you weren't too sure on Flash because yeah. obviously you had that long Williamson run. and Exactly. Well, there's there's one thing. Uh, I mean, uh, Jeremy Adams uh, is on writing here for issue 770. And the thing that, the thing that, uh, that caught my eye was Wally West's return as the Scarlet Speedster continues. Uh, obviously, I'm a, I've, got a, I've got a weakness for Wally West as the Flash um, and in a big role in, in Death Metal. Uh, so it says, and the, the cover is just the cover is just lovely as well uh, by Brandon Peterson, uh, which has um, you know the older the older Flash, uh, the the tin hatted the tin hatted Flash. But uh, it says dropped into the battlefields of World War Two, Wally West continues his search for a way home as the fastest man alive comes face to face with the Fuhrer himself. Uh, Wally's friends in the present day search for a way to bring him back and answer uh, to why. He's stuck uh, leaping from speedster to speedster three times. So it sounds like a like a Wally West version of uh, 
of Quantum Leap. Um, and and both of those things, both of those things are fantastic. So so I'm I'm all in for that. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, Wally take center stage for a wee while again. Um, so uh, the continuing the continuing odyssey of Wally West. <laughs> Yeah, and then moving along, you know, new issues for Green Lantern, Harley Quinn. Another one, again, I'm looking forward to that hasn't just started is The Joker, which is James Tinian and Guillaume March's uh, ongoing series. And is this? Do you think this is likely to be an ongoing, or do you think do you think it's got a wee bit more of a limited lifespan? That's. I was surprised when it was announced as an ongoing, but again, there's no. There, there's nothing to suggest that it's not. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly pre-orders, and again, we can only ever talk about our store, but pre-orders for this are, are on a par with Batman the Detective and Batman Urban Legends. So people are, are digging this. I think Tinian certainly earned our trust for it for whatever he's yeah. planning with it. But I just have to throw out special mention. I am a variant collector, which is hard on the wallet, but holy moly, look at that variant by David Finch. The Joker card is just absolutely incredible and yeah, is, if yeah. that's not nice enough you've got a great gary frank cover there as well mm. <sighs> i think uh i don't know i mean the the, the recurdo frederiki pencil drawn of commissioner gordon looking a wee bit like uh like he did in the in the, the nolan movies um is, is kind of interesting yeah that's that's another weakness of mine is uh ratio variance <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that uh, i think i'd be looking for that david finch cover on that yeah, I think that's just absolutely glorious. And then we jump on the Justice League. Of course, Bendis is going to be taking over this with issue 59, which, again, hasn't launched just yet. And then there's always uh, going to be backup stories for Justice League Dark in Justice which League. Which I'm really looking forward to, but Bendis has been making some big claims about Justice League becoming the center of the you know, the DC the DC books again, um, which is which is nice to hear uh, because it's, it's often been a neglected book, yeah. I think, in the same way as Avengers has become. And it's interesting with with both those. I remember listening to, I think it was Grant Morrison talking about it, but he said he's always been surprised that Justice League and Avengers are not the two biggest selling books. Because if you're a Batman fan, he's going to be in Justice League. If you're a Superman fan, he's going to be in Justice League. If you can only afford, say, one comic a week or whatever, surely you want one with all the superheroes. All the heroes, yeah, exactly. But it never Mm -hmm. seems to be the case. You're, You're totally right there. Um. But yeah, the Justice League again, it kicks off with number 59, I believe it's not next week, but the week after that Bendis' run is kicking off on that. Uh, we've got uh, Nightwing, just look at that variant cover. <laughs> just, I now just want to, I'm, I can't wait anymore, just when this book is, when is this, it's launching next month, is it? It's in the next uh, two weeks, I believe. Yeah, yeah I, I just can't, yeah, I'm, I'm dying, I'm dying here, come on, get it out. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, Tom Taylor on that, and art and cover by Bruno Redondo, but yeah, I was uh, I was talking there about the variant cover, which sees Nightwing balancing his skills on two washing lines, it looks like, between two buildings. But he's actually arched his feet up enough to lift the top one, so it looks like the Nightwing symbol in the middle. And then it's Ooh. just beautiful blue sky in the background, yellow sun. It, it basically portrays everything about Nightwing and Dick Grayson always being the light to Bruce Wayne's dark. You know, it's uh, it's just glorious. And And again, for you speculators out there, new villain alert. Is, uh, in this one as well. A new I, think, I think the DC book is sort of taking the piss out of people a wee bit. <laughs> I think you're right because the next one I come to is Robin number two, which is New Villain Alert Flatline. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to sell books, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that Robin series again. Joshua Williamson on on writing duties, and I know you're not a fan of the character, but I love me some Damian Wayne stuff. Well, I mean, I am a fan of Joshua Williamson, so I'm going to be picking this book up. Uh, you know, regardless of not being a fan of. 
of Damien and maybe maybe it'll change my mind. And then we're just sort of winding down with it. You've got a new issue of Rorschach, so number 8 of 12. Again, look at that glorious variant cover by Jim Cheng, which just evokes classic uh, original Watchmen uh, imagery, I would say. Uh, Strange Adventures is, is coming uh, close to its end. You're up to number 10 there of 12. New Suicide Squad title there. It's actually launching next week with a number 1. Pre-orders haven't been that strong on it, but I do like the idea of a Talon being involved in there. And Peacemaker is obviously the character they're building a show around uh, for the upcoming James Gunn movie. So he which, is front and centre there as well. Which Superman is that on in Suicide Squad? Is that is that Connor Kent or is that? I think it's Connor Kent. Yeah. Weird. Why is he? What's he doing in Suicide Squad? You'll have to I pick suppose up I'll have to pick to it up. <laughs> but it's interesting this month, Suicide Squad number three is actually going to be a crossover issue with Teen Titans Academy number three uh, because you can see the same characters being involved. Superman Red and Blue hitting number three. Again, another anthology series similar to Batman Black and White. This is looking very strong. Some lovely preview art. Swamp Thing, I know we're both looking forward to. Number one of that mm-hmm. kicks off in the next few weeks. Ram V and Mike Perkins. Yep. And uh, then we just hit the trades. And, and this is the month where you're starting to see all the, the future state trades come out. So similar to what Keith said earlier about there being different groups for them, you have future state Justice League, which is going to have the Justice League stuff, the Flash, Green Lantern, and Aquaman in it. Uh, you've got the next Batman one, which is going to be... Which is interesting the way they've divvied this up, so to speak, because it's going to be the next Batman one to four select stories from dark detective of course there mm. was a crossover with the two batman meeting plus mm-hmm. nightwing one and two and then you get future state superman which is superman of metropolis superman worlds of war versus imperious lex kara Zor-El, superwoman legion of superheroes and house of l so those look to be nicely collected into three easy to collect <laughs> trades so to speak what are they doing if, if they're only doing select stories from future state dark detective which was the strongest of the future state books Unless well, it's maybe just the backup stories aren't part of it. And then will they collect Dark Detective maybe and Catwoman? Possibly. That would make sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, because Catwoman's obviously not involved there, nor is... Um, there's another Gotham-bound one I'm thinking of. Robin Eternal isn't mm-hmm. in there either. So I would say you'll get a separate one. Okay. And then just one or two to finish off with. You've got Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn hardcover. That's a six-issue sort of spin-off series. Although for me it's a sequel because it takes place two years after uh, Curse of the White Knight. And that's six issues. I believe issue five was last week. We've got the third volume of the Absolute Swamp Thing. I will look forward to that because I've got the first two on my shelf. Batman Damned, Keith's favorite story of all time in trade paperback (laughs) form there. My goodness, a silly sized comic. I mean, I think even you will agree that the hardcovers look fantastic for... uh, for the black label stuff, I'm not sure how those uh, trade paperbacks will mm. actually look next to it. And uh, yeah, just a couple other bits and bobs. And but I, I am I do like the look actually there of the Fourth World by John Byrne omnibus. Just as we were talking about the uh, the Great Marvel yeah. omnibuses there, and that's very much got Marvel stamp all over it. Of course, Jack Kirby creating the Fourth World and and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm, that could be a, mm-hmm. that could be a good one to go for as well. So, yeah, that's pretty much the DC book in a nutshell. Again, a lot of those titles that we sort of spoke about there of the ongoing ones, a lot of them have not started yet. So it's still a case of you can jump on those at issue one. You can jump on the likes of Urban Legends or The Detective or, 
you know, Justice League, that kind of thing. So lots to look forward to there. So as we stated before, it maybe wasn't the strongest month for indie stuff, but that's not to say that there isn't still a lot of good stuff in here. Again, we've broken it down by publishers. So we've went through the likes of Image, the likes of Boom Comics, Aftershock, etc. And just picked out the ones that certainly appealed to us the most. I would say out of all of them, maybe Image has the strongest month this month, do you think? Yeah, I mean, whenever we say it's a, it, it's not the strongest indie book, it's still, it's there, still a blazer. Like, I oh, mean, there's still, there's still thirty titles going on the pull list, like. you know, and there's <laughs> there's a couple of titles that are sort of, I guess, picking up with a new arc, you know, that have been gone for a month or two, and uh, and that. So yeah, there's some there's some exciting stuff. Uh, there's some exciting stuff in here, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think, well, it's maybe neck and neck, image and image and boom, perhaps. Yeah, well, that's 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 usually the scrap that's going on between those two, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when it comes to image, definitely the, the first book that uh, we we both uh, picked out is actually one that again probably would have been one of my top five picks for the month if yeah. if we had been doing the previews board, and that's because it's a good old fashioned noir story which I can never get enough of. <laughs> I saw it and thought of you. Ah. It's nice to know you know me so well. So yeah, this is this is going to be a nine issue miniseries, which in itself is a weird number. You see six issue miniseries, you see four issue, you see twelve issue. Very rarely see nine. But you anyway. see someone who knows what story they want to tell and knows how they can tell it. And, you um, know. Well, first of all, as ever with image stuff, you always get a. If you like this, you'll probably like this. And for this one, it's the fade out, which is a, a classic Brubaker Phillips joint. So this one is called the Good Asian. This is number one of nine. This is written by Pornsack Pichichote, and the artist is Alexandra Tefanike. Now, the writer, uh, Pornsack Pichuche, oh, I should try it, stop trying to say that. Uh, they wrote a really good horror book uh, before, which was called Infidel. And this one, uh, as I was saying, this is going to be a noir story. So, following Edison Hark, a haunted, self-loathing Chinese-American detective on the trail of a killer in 1936 Chinatown. The Good Asian is Chinatown noir starring the first generation of Americans to come of age under an immigration ban, the Chinese, as they are besieged by rampant murders, abusive police, and a world that seemingly never changes. Now, what you'll always find with indie books as well is that if there's sort of good advance word on them, that comic creators themselves will throw their two cents in. And so far, it's got advanced positive notices from James Tinian, from Cliff Chiang, and from Bran Azzarello. And he knows a thing or two about noir, given the the brilliance that is 100 Bullets. There's some great preview art here. I mean... Maybe it's because I'm slightly jaded with the modern world and the endless reliance on the internet and smartphones and, you know, futuristic techniques, if you will. I love a good old-fashioned detective story because it's it's all about detectives using their instincts and their wits and their contacts. And it just tends to be a much more interesting story, I find. I find the preview art here is, is beautiful looking. It's, you know, very evocative of something like maybe... Big Trouble in Little China early on, the sort of noir aspects of that. Yeah, I'm I'm on board for this one. You were this was one you'd picked out yourself, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm very much the same as you. If I see noir, I kind of go, oh, yep, I'm in, I'm in. I I have a huge uh, a huge weakness for you know those that that sort of detective. Um, I guess I, I, I'm thinking Chinatown uh the the movies yeah you know uh and that sort of stuff and and then you know you've got the 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 western noir of uh you know of some of the some of the books have been reading the uh, future noir of blade runner 
you know, so noir, yeah, absolutely. So this is Chinatown noir, um, and I'm really interested. Really, really can't wait to be introduced to Edison Hark, uh, the the detective uh, lead um, in this in this particular uh, book. So yeah, really looking really looking forward to that one, Alan, for sure. And then the next book was actually one that we saw being teased on Twitter a little bit. You know, it's it's by a couple of uh, writers and artists that we've been speaking to recently on the podcast. You know, Declan Shelby, we, we had a really, really good yarn with. And then I was chatting to uh, another creator called Rory McConville, who that just this week it actually came out a new graphic novel called Write It in Blood. And they were teasing this uh, title coming out. They just kept putting up these different years and just a little bit of artwork behind it. But it got... Uh, announced a couple of days ago and it is time before time brand new number one uh, it's going to be a 40 page new number one as well from what i can tell it looks like it's going to be an ongoing uh, i don't see any hint of a one of six or anything like that just merely states series premiere so mm-hmm. declan shelby and Roy mcconville are teaming on writing duties then you have joe palmer as the artist and then chris o'halloran who seems to be i've said it before trying to rival Jordy belair for coloring the most books in comic history every month uh on coloring duty so same again uh, i like a good time travel story and this one keeps being compared to something like looper which is something i really like uh from rian johnson so the year is 2140 and to escape a world with no future many turn to the syndicate hmm where have i heard that name before uh a criminal organization who for the right price will smuggle you back in time to a better life after working for the syndicate for years, Tatsuo and Oscar decide to steal one of their boss's time machines. But soon you find that the one thing you can't run from is your past. So it's now these are these are big words. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Looper meets Saga. Wow. Damn. Wow, that is confidence. That is confidence right there. But yeah, same again. They've got some great looking preview art here. Uh, it looks really, really interesting. I love a good time travel story as well, so I'm I'm all in for that. What else Indeed, is grabbing and, uh, you? And just whenever we're talking about uh, Declan Shelby, the last time he was on, we were talking a lot about uh, Bog Bodies, mm-hmm. his own creator-owned OGN. So uh, if you haven't if you haven't grabbed that uh, from Image Comics, uh, I'd highly recommend that. Highly recommend Bog Bodies. Yeah, and then when it comes to Image Comics, sort of the the other things that really appeal to us are the return of ongoing series that we really enjoy. So what's good about this is because these are um, returning this month, we can recommend the graphic novels because Image have always had that model of we'll release five, maybe six issues, a complete arc, take a break for a few months, let the artist and writer get ahead of the game, release the graphic novel in that time. And then if you enjoyed that, you can jump on the singles. So a couple of our favorite series are making their return in May. You have Die, number 16, uh, from Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans, uh, an ever-present on our picks of the month. And this, and this is, will be the beginning of the last arc, will it? It is indeed, the beginning of the end. Uh, my hunch was right from the very start. They cleverly hit it on the back cover. This is going to be 20 <laughs> issues, so back with and, number 16. And uh, in, uh, in true uh, role-playing, uh, role-playing style, this, uh, this last arc will be taking them down into a dungeon. So we've got a dungeon crawl, I think. <laughs> uh so but it's it's always more than that as past sins haunt the party and future sins permeate the landscape so uh it says day's closing arc begins as we began with regrets and screaming <laughs> so much positivity in that book and <laughs> not tons of regret and self-loathing at all but a great book a great book uh and another yeah. one that's making its return that again 
you know, th- this just sounds like we're promoting our own podcast interviews all the time, but we were obviously lucky enough recently to chat with Mr. Rodney Barnes, an absolute legend that he was, just such a nice guy. Uh, I think that was like an hour and a half podcast that could have went on for six hours. Just a I really could have, really nice could have. Uh, but his his uh, flagship series is coming back with, uh, I should say, his co-created flagship series with Jason Sean Alexander is coming back, which is Philadelphia number 13. This is going to be the start of a brand new arc, which is Home is Where the Hatred Is. So same again, the, both trades will be out before issue 13 hits. So if you want to play catch up, you can and you really should. Yeah, oh, that that issue 12 was a, a cliffhanger. You know what? What is the fate of uh, of James Sangster Jr. and uh, and what exactly will that fate mean for his father? Yeah, uh, to say the least. I mean, you you always got the feeling that Sangster Jr. was, you know, not going to throw spoilers of, of too much out there. But Sangster Jr. always struck me as the protagonist of the series, mm. and Sangster mm-hmm. Senior was the can we get this shit over with so I can go back to my wife in the afterlife, please? Yep. And uh, it's been turned on its head brilliantly, so it has. So just a thoroughly brilliant book. It actually has something to say as well as as being just a great horror book. So definitely jump onto that. A uh, little bit of love as well, just to throw out crossovers. First volume will be released this month as well, which is Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw's brilliant series so far. Uh, the crossover volume one, Kids Love Chains. Is that a little throwback <laughs> to the nineties, Benning Chance? Oh, big style. That's a that's a Todd McFarlane nod, if I ever heard one. <laughs> uh, do you think yeah. the second volume will be called Kids Love Pouches? And that'll uh, be a Could life. be that. Could <laughs> be that. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, great stuff. Um I'm gonna gonna to throw another mention out uh, for the old guard Tales Through Time. Uh, in May it'll be number two of six. Um, but you still have a chance to jump on this, uh, get it on your pull list before it starts. Um, it's gonna be a rotating a rotating cast of a creative team. And for issue two, uh, we've got Kelly Sue DeConnick on there with Eric Troutman. And uh, they are, uh, they're, they're going to take, uh, they're going to take us to the Immortal Warriors of Feudal Japan. Uh, so that's going to be, that's going to be really interesting. And uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're doing all these different old guard tales through time uh, with rotating creative teams. So this is, yeah, just fantastic stuff. Yeah, it's probably worth throwing out a little bit of love as well for a, a series that launches next week that I'm really looking forward to, which is Noctera, which is a new Scott Snyder creator-owned series along with Tony S. Daniel and Tomo Moray. It's going to be at issue three in May, but issue one of that actually kicks off next week. Uh, I may have snuck a little look at the invoice in advance. So <laughs> looking forward to that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're not spotlighting them too much, but there's tons of other great series there as well. You know, Walking Dead Deluxe is, is continuing. The Silver Coin, uh, the horror anthology. It's Kelly Thompson writing issue two. Chip Zdarsky's writing issue one. There's looking the- forward to Two Moons starting this, uh, this month, isn't it? It'll be hitting number four in May. Lovely. It's in my hand right now. Uh, it's next on my reading pile, which I'm lovely. Very much looking forward to to two moons as well. So, so yeah, so tons of great image stuff as well. But uh, we'll we'll move on then to uh, Dark Horse, simply because Dark Horse is the next one in the book. Uh, it's mostly graphic novels that that sort of caught both our attention. I would say now there is a new Witcher series that kicks off, and people did seem to enjoy the last one, Fading Memories, I believe it was. Uh, this one is The Witcher Witch's Lament, which is going to be a four-issue miniseries. 
uh, between the TV show and the and the game, of course. The Witcher stuff tends mm. to sell really well, so uh, get your pre-orders in for that. Again, just going to be must finish a... that TV show yet? Must uh... must start that TV show yet? Yeah, good show. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm halfway through the Mandalorian now. I'm playing catch up. You know, nice job. But at least I'm watching One Division as it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was mostly graphic novels that sort of stuck out. So. Uh, two that I'll just throw a quick bit of love out for. So you've got the True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys National Anthem. Uh, this is the hardcover edition of this will be coming out, which is Dark Horse's version almost of DC's Absolute Range. And True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, of course, is a spin-off from the My Chemical Romance album. Jared Way's on writing duties. Sean Simon, uh, a co-writer as well. And Leonardo Romero on art. So this was the, the second series, National Anthem, which has been pretty damn great. Uh, I've got the last issue of it to read, actually, from this week. And then the other one that grabbed my attention was one called Raptor, a so-called graphic novel. So this, the reason this caught my eye was because it's Dave McKean. So Dave McKean is one of the old-school um, comic creators, very heavily influential. A lot of people know him predominantly for the likes of The Sandman and so forth. So this one is described as a visual tour-de-force graphic novel from artist and writer Dave McKean. The raptor so-called flickers between two worlds, a feudal, fantastical landscape where he must hunt prey to survive, and wheels in the late 1800s where a writer of supernatural tales mourns the passing of his young wife. He exists between two states, the human and the hawk. He lives in the twilight between truth and lies, life and death, reality and the imagination. World Fantasy, Harvey, British Science Fiction Association and VA Book Award winner Dave McKean's first creator-owned character is a wandering spirit for our times. So just thought that looked really, really cool. The preview art's rather nice and gothic and whimsical for that. So Yeah, it looks lovely, actually. Um, it, it seems fairly high concept. Yeah. I mean, Dave McKean's definitely a guy who can get on board with high concept stuff, I would say. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, a couple, couple caught your eye as well with Dark Horse, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I've always, uh, I've always been interested in in the Hellboy stuff, but I've never found a way to get into it because it's so long running. You know, Mike mm-hmm. Mike Mignola has has just been been at that for for donkey's years now. Um, you know, enjoyed a couple of the movies and that, but never could find a way a way in. And I, I think Roddy and I talked about this at the time. So. What we've got from Dark Horse in May is uh, Hellboy Universe Essentials, Hellboy trade paperback by Mike Mignola. Take a bite of the Hellboy Universe with the creator's hand-picked essential stories uh, in this new Jumping On Point collection. Uh, Confront the undead, swim to strange places and encounter powerful fae in this introduction to the world of Hellboy. Newcomers to the series don't uh, don't need to have read the original stories to jump right in and see what Hellboy is all about. Thanks to this collection of short stories selected by Mike Mignola himself as a perfect introduction to the most famous comic book character, his most famous comic book character. So uh, essential Hellboy stories, perfect jumping on point for new readers, uh, 160 pages and uh, probably coming in at about a tenner. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, 10 or 12 pounds. So, yeah, I might uh, I might look at, you know, as a jumping on point, as something that to something that has been inaccessible to mm-hmm. me. I think that's uh, that's that's pretty cool looking. Um, for sure, and then um, there was another one that that sort of jumped out at me uh, from from Dark House. Yeah, I nearly showcased this one, but it was just a little too close to another title for my liking. Oh yeah, exactly, and that's probably why it appealed to me. So (laughs) this is the Operation Dragon hardcover uh, by Bill Grishel, Brendan Cahill, and uh, art by German Peralta. World War II, the Pacific, 
A mythic adventure unfolds as three American soldiers, a disgraced ex-cop, a mobster trying to escape his past, and an intelligence officer with uh, mysterious motives investigate a top-secret Japanese superweapon, a deadly force of trained dinosaurs. So uh, apparently World War II buffs will love the historical accuracy, the, the historical accuracy, whilst everyone else will love the dinosaurs. Uh, now, I know what it sounds very, very familiar. If it sounds very familiar from, from uh, a favourite book of mine, Half Past Danger, but interesting, maybe, nonetheless. It's like the, you know, the year Armageddon and Deep Impact came out at the same time, or, <laughs> you know, Volcano and Dante's Peak, or Dread and the Raid. But yeah, no, I, I did like the uh, the cover for it. It's got that sort of cool painterly style to it. It does look kind of like a movie poster. It's a title oh, I've never it? heard of before, so. it's. Yeah. I mean, has it just been released as a hardcover? Is that it? Is it just I a presume done so. one? Yeah, because normally yeah. they would state that it's, you know, collects issues one to four or, or that kind of thing, but it does seem to just be an original one. So yeah, that was pretty much it for Dark Horse. I believe with IDW, there was just the one title that stood. I mean, there are a couple of others we'll we'll throw out quickly, but one new title that stood out, and you just had to bring Liefeld on here. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, for the second time today, uh, we're going to be uh, chatting about a Rob Liefeld, uh, <laughs> Rob Liefeld slice. Um, so we've got Snake Eyes Dead Game uh, by Rob Liefeld and Chad Bowers. Uh, art and cover by Rob Liefeld. One of the comic's most popular characters, creators, sorry, takes on one of G.A. Joe's most popular characters. Comics legend Rob Liefeld tackles the ultimate American hero. Snake Eyes has been has long been the most mysterious member of the G.I. Joe team, but now he'll finally be forced to play his hand. How long can he keep his past classified? And what deadly secrets will come back to haunt him? The Joe's silent ninja finds himself in a race against time and against Storm Shadow. Uh, there will be only one winner, and there's no limit on uh, on those who fall to the dead game. Will Snake Eyes get a lucky roll, or has his luck finally run out? Um, Deadpool and X-Force creator Rob Liefeld brings his signature action-packed style to the world of G.I. Joe with one of the most riveting Snake Eyes stories ever. So, must mention this one to Roddy. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it has the appeal to someone, but, you know. <laughs> not for me not for me but yeah uh, I mean, looks, the, the preview art looks good i have to say i don't know it's just it's too 90s for me as well <laughs> you know although the 90s have a lot of great stuff and don't get me wrong but uh definitely the best era for music but that's another story um yeah so that was uh snake eyes dead game so that is hitting the trade paperback collection a couple of other IDW ones, I suppose, are worth just throwing out just simply because we're, we're big fans. So you've got issue two of the Kanto spin-off series, Kanto and the City of Giants. This is just going to be a little sort of three-issue side quest, if you will. So same again, number one is not out for that yet, so you can certainly get your pre-orders in as well. And then there is also the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen collection, volume four, The Tempest. I have to say I read that when it came out and uh, uh, I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> did you read really Extraordinary Gentleman when it came out? Yeah, I did. I got uh, I got the uh, I got the individual issues and I just thought, well, that was something. It didn't it didn't uh, the first two volumes of League of Extraordinary Gentleman were were phenomenal. Yeah. Um that was a wee bit nonsensical, I thought. Yeah. It I mean, was you, you sometimes read Alan Moore and think, Am I not intelligent enough to understand this or is it just gibberish? It's definitely one or the other. Yep. Yep. Um but yeah. 
So that was pretty much it with with IDW. And then the next the uh, the next publisher that comes up in the book is just not a publisher that Keith and I indulge in very much, which is Dynamite. Uh, there is a new brand new Red Sonia series kicking off, which admittedly does have a great creative team on board with Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor co-writing and Moritat on art. It's called The Invincible Red Sonia. But yeah, just whatever reason, Dynamite just never appeals to me, you know, whether it's Red Sonia or Vampirella or Deja Thoris or... No, you're interested in that James Bond, Agent Inspector, aren't you? Well, there, there is one title I suppose you're able to pick out. Yeah, it's... Uh, James Bond Agent of Spectre reaches number three this month. I believe number one is out in two weeks' time, so I will look forward to that, admittedly. But we'll bypass the rest of Dynamite and hit Boom, where there is, of course, a couple of crackers, because there always is with Boom. And again, one of them is a returning series, similar to what we were talking about with Philadelphia and uh, with Die. There's a great James Tinian creator-owned series, which comes back in May, which is called Wind. It comes back with number six, art by Michael Dialnis. And I loved Wind, volume mm-hmm. one. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, the first trade of that, I believe, is due out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, really good all-ages tale as well, I would say. But definitely a hint of darkness to it. So it's back with number six, which is going to be the start of a brand new story arc. And if you, if you enjoyed Wind and you're not on The Last Witch, uh, which just hit issue two last week, then you're you're making a mistake because uh, it's it's right up there in in quality and uh, and, and in that sort of style of, of story. Uh, really really enjoying that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, another boom series, so something that actually kicks off a brand new number one. This is going to be a five issue mini series out in May, which is called Eve. So number one of five. Again, it's it's those little elevator pitches that just grab me every time. <laughs> yeah. It says, for fans of Undiscovered Country and Little Bird, which is quite the unique combination. But I must say the preview art for this looks pretty cool. So this is written by Victor Laval and illustrated by Joe Mi Gyeong. And for fans of Undiscovered Country and Little Bird comes a new adventure series uh, about a dangerous journey across a future dystopian America to save the world. When the ice caps melted, most of humanity was lost to the hidden disease that was released. Now, a mysterious girl named Eve has awoken in secret and must deal with a world that's nothing like the virtual reality she was raised in. In order to save her real father, Eve must embark on a deadly quest across the country, but she has no idea of the threats that await her or the price she will pay to restore life to a dying planet. This sounds pretty damn great, actually. Yeah, yeah it does. It does. I'm, uh, I'm in for that as well, for sure. Um, guess the, the Power Rangers books uh mighty morphin and power rangers i have to say they're losing me a wee bit they're losing me a wee bit i think i'm going to give them on both another issue and then uh and then maybe kick them to the curb if you, you'd be breaking steven's heart right there i know i know uh just i don't know I don't, they revealed who the green ranger was and i wasn't even sure why it was important um you know but it was too uh... angry phone call from steven of course it's important <laughs> um yeah they i see uh they they're putting out a firefly blue sun rising limited edition so that's going to collect the first firefly event in a shiny special collector's edition so that's going to be uh yeah that, look, that looks kind of kind of interesting for sure yeah. and uh you know the firefly book continues to be to be great they've got this brand new verse book coming out as well which is three issues deep by that time uh, also pretty cool and then just um, a couple of series we really like. You know, you've got Volume 3 coming out of Once in Future, the trade paperback coming out. 
you've got Dune, the House of Atreides, Volume 1 coming out. But again, another two of our favourite series, both hitting brand new story arcs kicking off. Uh, the first, Al Ewan again. Uh, I know yep. it's a title you very much enjoy. Yeah, very much enjoy. Uh, we Only Find Them When They're Dead has been a real um, high-concept sci-fi adventure um, from, from Al Ewing and uh, Simone DeMio. It is one of the most beautiful-looking comics on the racks. Uh, it, it reminds me a wee bit of an old, uh, not, not in look, but in feel, an old, uh, the old cartoon Ulysses 31 uh, that used to be used to be on in the, in the 80s. But, uh, yeah, it's... An, it's on a bit of a break in the minute, the end of its its first arc, and it's coming back to the second arc. And the second arc, it looks like they're taking a time jump. Fifty years have passed since Captain Malik and the crew of the Vihan 2 embarked on their fateful mission, and the universe has changed in many ways that no one ever expected. Jason Hauer, one of the fated Vihan 2 crew, is now 71 years old and living a life in the razor's edge between the harvesters and the worshippers. But as these rival religious factions dash through the galaxy, Jason finds himself thrown into the center of the chaos and forced to confront his tortured past. But the only people who can help Jason have their own secret agenda, one that may bring him face to face with Captain Malik in ways beyond comprehension. Yeah, this is this is it's it's great stuff. And I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to going back and reading those first five issues back to back again. You know, because I think you you do lose something in that month to month mm-hmm. um, for sure. Um, June House of Trades. Is bloody fantastic as well. It's going to be hitting number seven on me, and it as a as a prequel to both the book and and the upcoming movie. Uh, really fantastic book. Yeah, I've been enjoying it as well. So uh, happy to see that continue. Is that going to be twelve issues in total? Two volumes? I think. Maybe? I think that's. I think that's what it was. Um, Will it finish before the movie launches? That's the question. I don't know. I also uh, was given recently as a present the new uh, the new uh, adaptation comic book adaption of june mm-hmm. um i got the first the first hardcover of it uh, it's been released as three books it was great uh, i'll have to throw it to you for sure yeah definitely take that off your hands and then the last one to finish off boom wise is definitely something to really look forward to it's taken us 16 issues to get here but it is the origin of erica slaughter so uh. something is killing the children number 16 so it comes back in may and it even le- leads with the description of the story you demanded begins here, the origin of Erica Slaughter. What shocking events brought Erica to the House of Slaughter? And what did she have to do to join the Order of St. George? The secrets are revealed here for the first time in this perfect jumping on point for new readers. I would argue that it's not a j- perfect jumping on point. The f- perfect jumping on point is volume one. And read all <laughs> of it and catch up and then jump on the issue 16 because yeah. that series is awesome. That's great. New story arc. So I'm really looking for that. That is the story that I have been waiting to, you know, learn a little bit more about the, the Order of St. George, the House of Slaughter and Erica herself. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much boom for the month of May. That leads us on to Aftershock. Uh, the biggest sort of Aftershock title for this month is, is something I personally have not read, uh, which is surprising given that it comes from the team of Donny Cates and Gary Brown. It's a series called Baby Teeth, which from memory was all about a woman who gave birth to the Antichrist. Uh, I really must go back and read it, especially given how much we enjoy all of Donny Cates' other work. Mm. But never read it myself. Never read it myself. So uh, I'd I'd certainly join you in that, in that going back and reading it for sure. But uh, a new series that did stand out, which is uh, launching this month, is called Silver City. Uh, this is by a couple of creators I actually haven't heard of uh, before. Uh, Olivia Cuarto Briggs and the artist is Luca Murley. Uh, looking at the name, actually, I think Olivia 
I think she will marry Shelly Monster Hunter, which was actually quite fun for Aftershock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for this one, when a young roughneck lands in Silver City, the gritty purgatorial metropolis of the afterlife, she must adapt to her new existence while attempting to uncover how and why she died. Her mission is derailed, however, when she rescues a newly dead girl from a mysterious kidnapping attempt and discovers powerful kinetic abilities. Welcome to Silver City, where the sun never rises and nothing ever changes until now. That has a lot of cool-sounding concepts. You know, the the idea of purgatory, the idea of saving people in purgatory, um, and then, of course, throwing in sort of powerful, almost superhero-type abilities. So there's... Uh, I think that sounds really, really class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that stood out for me for Aftershock is uh, We Live is getting its first volume trade paperback collection. This is a, a series I've been really, really enjoying from uh, the Miranda Brothers, which is uh, all to do with like a future where people need to leave the planet and there's a finite amount of spaces on the ship that's actually going to leave, but you have to get to it. Uh, that is the, the problem with yes. how Earth has become. Really beautiful looking book, really atmospheric. Uh, it also consistently comes with little QR codes that give you a little soundtrack to listen to as you as you read it. Uh, so I will very much look forward to uh, getting the trades in to recommend to people because the yeah. first print of that was one that came a little pricey in the secondary market, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I haven't pegged that now as, as I've gone through the book, but now I look at it, that's something I'm definitely interested, especially... Uh, and Aki Miranda was involved in Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that, yeah, that looks good. That's the that's the five issues, the first yep. story arc. It is indeed very cool. Yeah, I must get a look at that for sure. So yeah, that was Aftershock. Uh, next, that takes us on to then is AWA, which is consistently one of my favorite uh, imprints at the moment. One of my favorite publishers. You know, great stories like Redemption, uh, The Resistance, Hotel. There was a great one I read last week, actually, issue one of, which we'll be definitely chatting about in an upcoming reviews podcast called Casual Fling, which mm-hmm. was really good as well. But Mr. Ennis is back with a brand new series. So Garth Ennis writing a new one with Goran Zuzuka on art, which is called Marjorie Finnegan, Temporal Criminal, brand new number one. So again, with the this is actually going to be a longer one for AWA. This is Uncharted Territory here. It's mm, number, issues. number one of eight. Mm-hmm. So she's Marjorie Finnegan. She's a temporal criminal. What more do you need to know? Oh, all right then. All Marge wants to do is race up and down the timelines, stealing every shiny, gleamy, pretty, sparkly she can lay her hands on. But her larcenous trail from the Big Bang to the 95th Reich has drawn the beady eye of the temporal PD, whose number one deputy marshal is now hard on her heroine's tail. And taking things extremely personally. We're still Marge's worthless creep of an ex and his even scummier partner have seen an angle of their own in all this and now intend to use her time tech to change history for their own benefit marge's only ally a guy called tim and he's just ahead i mean come on what use is ahead <laughs> can ever go wrong with a bit of new garth ennis madness can you yeah looks like garth ennis has taken doctor who <laughs> and if that doesn't sell it i don't know what will um but yeah that's that's the awa there was um there's an Another new comic label I'm enjoying at the moment called Behemoth. So Behemoth, they they first came to my attention because of they did an adaptation of uh, an Iranian vampire movie, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And that was very, very good. And then they've started releasing a few new series as well. So there's one that came out this week I'm looking forward to jumping into called Paranormal Hitman. But the one that stood out this month for coming out in May is a series called Freak Snow 
Uh, this is going to be a brand new number one. It's not really creators that I'm too familiar with. The writers on this are Kevin Rodatelli and Rob Cannon, and art by Rob Cannon. But again, if you're going to aim for the stars, do it. Just like you say, uh, you know, this is like Saga, which I never understand anybody taking that big of a swing. But their intro to this is a frozen apocalyptic story in the spirit of Mad Max, Fallout, Borderlands meets Tarantino. Uh, it begins with Bernie, a psychedelic addict surviving in a glacial wasteland. A fight with brutal gunslingers ensues and crazy hallucinations lead our weird hero on a quest to find the whole of truth. Yeah, a mystic hole that tells the truth. The only thing we can promise is a lot of death. Again, it's a it's a, um, a comic label to keep an eye out for. They always do really nice cardstock covers, uh, really nice paper that they print on, which doesn't sound like a big deal but it sometimes makes all the difference i think and they've got some really interesting stories on the go so i'd, I'd keep a wee eye out for that one uh the next one that grabbed my eye is actually from oni press and again this is this is a story that rodney barnes had mentioned when we interviewed him it was one of the ones that he had worked on which was called quinn credible now i'd never heard of this i'd never come across it and then obviously just flicking through the previews books it's it's quite an unusual name so it just stuck with me and this is actually the graphic novel uh, collection of it. So written by Rodney Barnes from Philadelphia and illustrated by Selena Esperutu. So for Concredible, it's a, a one-volume series called The Hero Within. It's an advanced solicit. It's not actually out until July. But when meteors fell to Earth, Quentin West was gifted with the power of invulnerability. Seeing others take up hero identities, Quentin decided to help his home city of New Orleans in his own way. Using his smarts, creativity, and a bit of training from his mentor, Glow, Quinton is on the way to becoming Quinn Credible, hero of New Orleans. But even superheroes must do homework, and Quinton's newest assignment is to learn the history of New Orleans and voodoo. That assignment leads him to the mysterious Madame Adelaide, who gives him a new task to fulfil for the good of New Orleans. Is Madame Adelaide a spirit, an enhanced human, and what is the evil that threatens New Orleans that Quinton must stop? Again, I'm all about fallen creators, so... I think that sounds really, really interesting. Yes, and speaking of following creators, uh, for me anyway, um, there's a nice one from Vault I think we're both interested in. thought this would catch your eye. Yeah, by, uh, by writer Christopher Cantwell of Doctor Doom and Iron Man fame. Uh, the book, uh, the artist on it is uh, Adam Gorham, and uh, the book is The Blue Flame. Know nothing about it uh, other than the solicitation. The Blue Flame is a cosmic hero. The Blue Flame is a DIY vigilante that fights crime in the streets of Milwaukee. The Blue Flame is a, a blue-collar blue HVAC repairman named Sam Brossom. Uh, in the wake of a horrific tragedy, the boundaries of the Blue Flame's identity blur even further. Now, before a universal trial, the Blue Flame must prove that humanity is worth saving. But in order to do that, Sam Brossom has to save himself. Can he? Sounds interesting. Yeah, once again, it's a case of following creators that you like. Yeah. And as soon as I saw Christopher Cantwell's name on this, given your your love for Doctor Doom and uh, Iron Man, especially, well, I don't talk about Iron Man, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting to see some of these sort of big level creators going to work with these smaller labels because hopefully that's bringing attention to them as well, you know, and that's that's great to see. So. Yeah, this one caught my eye as well, and I'm really enjoying some of the stuff Vault's doing. You know, I'm really digging uh, the picture of everything else. I'm enjoying I Walk With Monsters, Engine Ward, Heavy, and then there's a new one that came out last week that I haven't read yet, but it was a number one called Hollow Heart, 
as well. So same again there, and we had mentioned a couple of titles last month as well. Radio Apocalypse is one that's being launched, which Ram V is writing. So yeah, there's there's some really really good stuff there. So. I mean that was pretty much it in terms of what my my picks were, but I think you might have just found one more. Yeah, just want to squeak one in at the end here, um, and it's a book from Flesk, publica- Flesk Publications, F L E S K, and I don't know if you remember Alan, but this is a version of the the very first trade paperback that I loaned you whenever we we first met. Oh, yeah. Um, and that is uh, Mark Schultz's Xenozoic. 2021 trade paperback now i did get excited because i thought is this new xenozoic tales stuff but i think it's reprints um so xenozoic tales one of my favorite properties uh, as uh, whether that's as a comic book whether that's as a, an animated series or as a role-playing game uh the xenozoic age is a post-apocalyptic landscape where dinosaurs roam freely and humanity is the endangered species uh, forced into hiding by global ecological ecological cataclysm humans emerge from their underground warrens half a millennium later to discover that the earth has been totally transformed all of the familiar flora and fauna are gone replaced by radically altered natural order populated by rampaging dinosaurs and strange new creatures it takes guts grim determination and ingenuity and a whole lot of old-fashioned luck to survive much less thrive in this alien wilderness so this is 352 black and white pages of xenozoic tales goodness collection of all the classic xenozoic tales comics and stories and and it's gonna, I guess, it's got a brand new cover and and all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, I already have them all. I'll probably bag this one as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Xenozoic Tales is just is just class. Um, really, uh, just the the, I guess, the picture that it paints of a post apocalyptic era and you know the 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 religions of uh, of Jack Tenrick, the old blood mechanic, and uh, Hannah Dundee, who comes up from a a tribe of called Wasoon, which we, we eventually discovered as, as the people of Washington, uh, D.C., uh, and all of this. It's such a, such a great, great world. Very, very pulpy. Uh, you know, very much, you know, that sort of, and there's, there's a, a sniff of Indiana Jones about it. And, a, you know, it's it's just so good. I highly recommend it. So uh, so get your get your paws on that. Uh, 352 pages for, I think, probably about probably 20, 29 pound or something. So can't complain. And if you haven't read it, read it. Well, it may not be brand new stories, I suppose, but it does have a brand new cover. It does. It does. <laughs> I think that so was ex- how I recommended Half Past Danger to you, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. That's so, right. See, it all links together. All links mm-hmm. together. Cool. So that was one last pick there, which was Mark Schultz's Xenozoic, which is a brand new trade paperback collection of all those classic stories. So, yeah, that's pretty much everything we've picked from the books. There is, of course, more to it than that. Again, you can look at the, the DC Connect online. Uh, I'm sure you can find the Marvel and a lot of the indie previews as well. Newsarama are always pretty good about putting the solicitations out there if you want to look through it in a bit more detail. Obviously, if we were open, we always have the books to hand in the store. You can have a flick through them. We have our recommendations in the board and so forth. Um, but what I'm doing is as well, I'm holding on to all of the previews books now for while we're closed. And when we reopen, they're still there to flick through. So just in case you missed the series or you know you weren't aware of something coming out, we can always try and backtrace it that way. So... Uh, that'll be a wee extra thing once we reopen as well. So again, the uh, cutoff dates for this is three weeks from this Wednesday. So it'll be around the 20, 21st 
of uh hmm, let me just think 24th of march will be the cutoff point for orders so just drop us an email coffinheroes at hotmail.com or get in touch through facebook messenger if uh if you listen to this and you're involved in our group chat do not put your recommendations in the group chat send it to me separately or or be an adult about it and be like keith and hand me a nice printed sheet because he's awesome and well prepared unlike most people um but yeah just get in touch whatever way suits and that uh, will always get stuff added to pull lists and so forth so yeah that's going to do it for us that is the march previews book so lovely we're getting nice and early through. yep indeed and uh look at that it's just as we've uh, ran out of beer as well so perfect time to finish perfect. up there <laughs> lovely that was great fun alan and uh, we'll be back very shortly with uh with some review shows and uh, and maybe a few more few more interviews that we will that we will pleasure as always my man i will uh, chat to you soon and uh thanks for listening guys goodbye